And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello, everyone. It is the Weighing In Podcast, and we are here to talk about what's coming up this Friday and Saturday. We have got a Bellator from Chicago, Bellator 301 in the Windy City unbelievable matchups in that and then we have the ufc coming from the apex with a main event of brendan allen against paul craig what do you think how you doing there guy you got back from austin you're looking yep. good you're a little camoed out ready yeah. to go i'm surprised you can see me with all this camo on it, dude it's just it's those glasses man they just stand out man. they do it's the it. glare it kind of throws it it's off the glare throws josh it off, cena. Right? Oh, yeah what's <laughs> josh cena Josh, Josh Cena, what's that? Josh Cena, John Cena. You know John Cena. You can't see oh me. Oh my god. Josh oh my Cena. gosh. No, I don't know this. That, actually, that actually, I stole that from. Huh? Like, uh, I stole that from a guy on OnlyFans that, that put it in the comment section. <laughs> Josh Cena, <laughs> love yeah. it. We gotta give that guy at least some credit. What's his uh, name? You don't even Alex, know, do you? Alex. It was Alex. Alex. Who, Alex okay, Alex question. from OnlyFans. I want to thank you for uh, the fan question <laughs> or the knowledge of the Josh Cena can't see me is that what he does right there you, got, you yeah. can't do it like this oh is it what this. is it like this oh it's like this okay uh speaking of pro wrestlers man speaking of these guys i, I had lunch today with bobby lashley Fucking beast big bobby lashley uh <laughs> with him and my buddy rich chow we uh had breakfast or kind of more of a brunch type lunch thing and uh met up and just chatted a little bit and it was uh it's good to catch up with these guys they're fun they're fun to be around i love both those how's guys. bobby doing he's doing good around. Yeah, he's doing he's a good. good guy. He might he might be dabbling a little bit more in maybe a potential fight, John. What? He's coming back? Uh, you know, it's there's a, not not coming. I don't know what he's. I know there's there's been some offers thrown out, but and there's a lot of money behind it. So, <laughs> you know, um, you know, but I think I think uh, it definitely I think something that like that would be cool. But look, you got to be able to fill it. You know the deal. When you when you get a certain age, when you've been out for so long from from real fighting, um, it's, you've got to make it make sense. And so I think I think that you know you listen to the offers, which I think is what he's done. I don't know anything beyond that though. Like um, you just listen to the offers and you see like you know what that sounds like a good price tag, but is it something I want to do? That's do I want to get up every morning and go run? Do I want to, you know, get up and go train jujitsu or wrestling? Even if it is that type of fight, I don't know. But I'm saying, like, you know, people with all the boxing stuff that's going on these days and the bare knuckle boxing. I mean, you got to be honest. I mean, who is the guy who runs uh, bare knuckle boxing? Uh, Dave Feldman. Dave Feldman, right? Yeah. <laughs> is what you said. Okay. Yeah, yeah him. I mean, he came out with an uh, an interview. I believe it was today or yesterday. And said that look, twenty twenty four is going to be a good year for for bare knuckle boxing. I I, I believe I it. I think it is. I believe it. He's got some. Uh, he's got some other former UFC fighters that are in the works. Um, some other fighters and other pro boxers that um, are kind of leaving the boxing area and coming back into the pro into the bare knuckle boxing area. The one be thing, careful, that I could, it's a different sport. It is, but I, I John, it's. I think this is going to end up taking over regular boxing good i i just i feel like it's got so much more excitement to it it's got these guys can't take as much damage there is a lot more damage to be shown oh yes um it's it's a real fight and 
one thing it doesn't lack is fucking excitement, man. It's fun. It's fun to watch. Really, but it really depends on the you know you get a variety of fighters. Yeah. But you know we've already talked you know multiple times about guys that are good at it. Mm-hmm. You know Mike Perry being one of the the guys coming a star yeah at it and he understands it and it's it is a different form of fighting mm-hmm. you got to defend differently you got to be offensive in a different fashion mm-hmm. you can only land so many shots with your hands before your hands are all screwed up you know if you're hitting the wrong areas and stuff mm-hmm. so it's it's a different sport but god damn it is exciting and there are some great fights that have come yeah. by chad when chad mendez came out and was fighting and when he fought eddie alvarez dude that was a great battle Absolute back great and fight. forth great fight i mean unbelievable fight between those two and so eddie is going to be fighting mike perry december 2nd if people don't know that is insane uh, that's That's a tall order but i'll tell you what you know eddie's got that dog in him he can definitely do it but mike perry is is, he's a he's a he's a tall mountain when it comes to bare knuckle boxing it's different and he's good at it well dave feldman right he came out and said that we're going to see chad mendez in the in the in the Ring again some, sometime really? in 2024. We're going to see him in there. He talked Chad back. Yeah. So much for that retirement. Well, that's what happens. And that's the other thing is that we've talked about fighters getting paid. One thing yeah. they do is they pay. Oh, they're paying. They're paying good money. They pay really well. Yeah. And uh, it's a brutal sport. I think also, too, once you know that this is one of those sports that, sure, we're fighters at heart. But once they get in there and they realize that it's not the same as getting hit with MMA gloves, it's a lot worse. It's oh, yeah. just different. It's a different, yeah. you know, you're not taking as much damage uh, because you can't. Like the knuckles are cutting you. You're getting split up. I mean, lips and jaws are getting, you know, swollen. I mean, it, there's a lot worse. Well, a lot more damage All the to things this. that you, you know, you think about all the things that you're used to when you're talking about MMA or boxing. You know, how you hold your hands. Because, you know, when when you're boxing, you know, we don't squeeze our hands until we're throwing that shot. Mm-hmm. You know, as it's getting there, my hand's are getting closed and it's it's there. Well, you know, with bare knuckle, you got to hold yourself a little bit different. You got to learn how to actually kind of hold your hands in a position where you can parry, but you've got to be able to throw back right away. The ability, you know, instead of, you know, putting your hands up like this, you got to really tuck your elbows in. Everything gets through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not that big of, you know, a thing like a boxing glove. And even an MMA glove makes it a little bit bigger. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, that bare knuckle, man, it, you, you put your, your both hands up and it goes right through the middle and pops you in the middle of the face. So. Yeah. It's not an easy sport. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how the growth of bare knuckle boxing comes along, especially in 2024 and then moving into 2025. I think if they play their cards right, they could they could potentially start taking over that second, you know, that kind of that second promotion or second sport in the industry. They really could because it's something different. Like, look, you've got Bellator, you've got PFL, you've got one, you've got UFC, but they're pretty much all very similar. One does something a little different with the kickboxing. The I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a ton of people in the comments hating me, but I've always said it about Muay Thai, and I love Muay Thai. You know, and one of the things that I've talked to I've talked to promoters about it and everything is I said, look, one of the things that kills Muay Thai is the rituals. You know, and I I understand them, but most fans don't want to put up with the music 
and the ceremony and it, it's part of Muay Thai and it you know doesn't bother me, but I'm being honest when I'm watching and I'm, I go, I can see the average person. They don't want that. And it's the one thing that bare knuckles has really done is it's, it's fast paced, two minute rounds. The guys are sprinting, going after each other and it, they're just one fight after the other. They're going and they're putting on these fights that people look and go, that was fucking awesome. That yeah. was exciting. And then here comes the next one. It's the same thing. And it's like, mm -hmm. You have something with that, and you're not, you know, you're not having people being put off by any part of it. And again, I love Muay Thai, and I love what one is doing with their Muay Thai, especially with the MMA gloves. I think it's even better. But man, BKFC, they're putting on great shows, and there's not a whole lot of pageantry. It's a lot of fights, and it's fast paced, and they're they're good. They're fun to watch. Man, these guys go after it. So do the women. You see some, you know, Britain Hart and stuff. She's a damn yeah. stud. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing how, like I said, the growth of this sport in, um, <clears throat> in 2024. I mean, listening to Dave Feldman just talk and I was thinking to myself, you're going to sign some, some guys that came, got cut, you know, cut or left the UFC or released from the UFC and you're going to have them. Then you have some pro boxers that are in there too, who are going to believe that it's the same as boxing. He's got Austin Trout. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. I Austin forgot Trout about was that. a hell of a boxer, man. Yeah, they had they had Polly for the what one fight. Polly Malinaji fought yep. Artin Artin Loba. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's a different style. That's the other thing. Like you said, the gloves are smaller. Even for MMA, the gloves are small. So you're, yeah. you're we're used. To, we still have a little bit of glove to cover and protect us. And then you're also not getting hit directly on your knuckles if if someone is you know parrying or blocking. It still hurts. Remember there was <laughs> what was what was there was an old movie. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember what it was about, but I remember there was a guy that was a, he was a bare knuckle boxer. He ended up fighting like his coach or his manager or somebody who used to be a former bare knuckle guy. And one of the tricks that he taught him was like to hit the back of the knuckle with the hand. And also too, as you would punch, he would use the crown of his head for you to hit it there. So he, he would break people's hands. By getting hit there and he would just dip the crown of his head down oh yeah so he could hit it's there it's was there was an old movie it was i mean it's old charles bronson remember charles mm -hmm. bronson? i do and it was called hard times and it was about you know basically smoker fights you know with you know bare knuckles and mm -hmm. you know putting quarters wrapped in that you know you hold on a, a, a roll of quarters in your hands mm. stuff like that to make them harder and stuff but it was all about the the old smoker scene with you know bare knuckle fights. But well, you had the Clint Bobby Gun. You remember Bobby Gun? Machine Gun, yeah. Bobby Gun was a, a cruiserweight boxer. Mm -hmm. He was he was a world champion actually in boxing, but he was the guy that Dave Feldman really started with. And Bobby Gun was known as the heavyweight you know bare knuckle boxing champion. Oh, and most of those most of those fights were done in warehouses and you know yeah things like that but bobby gunn was you know still a friend of mine he's a stud man he can but he would go to the body he would eat your body up you know and then he would go up to the head he very very rarely threw a lot of headshots you just had but, me confused with someone else i was thinking of rocky the movie tommy gunn i was like <laughs> tommy gunn, bobby no, gunn no. i was like that bobby doesn't gunn. sound right wait bobby yeah. gunn tommy if, gunn. if if dave can pull up bobby gunn uh, on the thing you'll see that you know, he was a professional boxer also mm -hmm. he had a great boxing career but he was a specialist that's bobby right there mm -hmm. 
He was a specialist when it came to bare knuckle boxing. He was a monster. Now he got older as, as Feldman was able to start to get it going. You know, that was at the end of Bobby's career and stuff, but man, he was a stud. Just fucking jacked. <laughs> I Take mean, a look at that face. That's a face that has been hit a couple times. The only That's mother to love. Not a baby. <laughs> um, yeah, Dave, can you look up? There was a bare knuckle boxing uh, movie also too, but then uh, the one with Clint Eastwood, Left Clive. Oh yeah, dude. Any which way but loose. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that was, was a all, great. That was movie. All about that was a great. Yeah. What's that underground one right fighting? There? No, not that fighting. Yes. There's one. I think it was called Bare Knuckle. Maybe it was called the Fight Machine. Anyways, I can't see. Bare Knuckle, right no, there. No, nope. no, not fighting. I saw that one. All right, that's Channing's movie. What's that one right there? What's that one? Out of the Furnace, uh, no, Christian Bale. No, that's new. This is old. Uh, how it's old, like a like, really old movie. It's probably like I'd say. Wait, who's that? No. You got a one called The Governor. Governor. Was that the one? No, my God, I know there was like a famous act. What is? <laughs> Any which Man. way you can is right there. Yeah. Like what? What? What decade? Are we brawler. About? How about that one? What decade? I would say it was probably like in the early, probably the late nineties. Late nineties. Yeah. See, there's one I was talking about. Hard times. Oh yeah, yeah. Right in the middle. Oh yeah. Seventy-five. Charles Bronson. Yeah, that's right. Man. Anyways, what's Bare Knuckle right. Brawler? Who was in Bare Knuckle Brawler? Eh, anyways, all right. Well, I'm sorry, I dropped a total brain fart in this one. Boy, I'll tell you, you're all over the place. I know, but there was a really famous actor who was the main guy who got who was the coach. Can't remember who the main guy actually was. Really? Uh, but it was it was a it was a decent little movie back in the day. I just remember he would dip his head. When they end up having to fight each other at the end, he would dip his head so his his former protege or whatever it was would hit him in the top of the head and he'd break his hands and this and that. But it was a it was a good little flick at the time. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, hey, let's let's go ahead and get. We got a lot of fight talks to talk about. We've just rambled yeah, on, rambled on bit. about nothing. But uh, we can ramble. Yeah, we were we were supposed to have Paul Craig on today. Yeah, and um, we just couldn't get it going. He's got a he's got a big weight cut. That's <laughs> all. Yeah. We just couldn't get it going. So we were supposed to have Paul on. So hopefully uh Paul gets it done and then we can get him on right after the show. So or after his fight. It's his first main event. It's a lot a lot of a lot of stress comes in to have him be in your first main event. Not just that, but then for him, there's a lot of work to get down to this, you know, 185 pound weight class. I see yeah. him, I see the videos he's posting on his Instagram. He looks lean as hell. I'm like almost like a little bit, a little bit too small. But really, he'll fill out. I think he'll fill. Out. But this is a process. I mean, I used to see, I used to see this with, with Habib and with Islam and all the other guys that came over from Dagestan and how much weight they would have to cut, and uh, to get themselves down. I saw it for sure with Fitch. I mean, Fitch was he was a pretty big welterweight at the time. I mean, just watching him get down, you see his body just change. He was someone that also got really big on the off season. He was he was a he was a chunker man when he when it was the offseason. <laughs> he was a chunker. He was he was someone that I would love just it. yeah you he would always take pictures of him with showing like his belly carrying looked like he was pregnant in between camps, you know. But um but that was him. That was the way that he that's the way that he uh, he lived his life. His career that's was the way he rolled. That's the way he literally almost rolled into the gym half the time. <laughs> that's why. That's so the way he rolled. Come in smelling like that's all good. Like you know, look at you got you got to have. You got to have your things, and you got to enjoy life. I mean, I remember him coming in smelling like barbecue chicken. He was eating all the time on the off season. <laughs> I was like, "Bro, what is that smell? Is that 
Wait, is that barbecue sauce on your white geet? Yeah, I was eating on the way here. I'm like, yeah, really? Really? It smell like bur- you smell you smell like smoke because he was out there barbecuing. So funny. It's like, yeah, I, I, you know, oh, God, man, he was hilarious. All right, well, hey, let's go ahead and get into the UFC fight night. What, 232? So what is it, like 87? Vegas 82. Vegas 82. I knew it had a different name. So dumb that they name it UFC Fight Night 232. So what's the reasoning behind all this? This name change stuff. Somebody's keeping tabs on how many fight nights it's been since they launched fight nights, Mm. uh, whereas the UFC's naming it based on where they're hosting it. Yeah, exactly. So Really, you have have all these fight nights mm. that have occurred. But since they started having the Apex open, they re- they renumbered all Got those it. Apex shows. And there's been a lot, especially with the COVID. So, yeah, there's been a lot. I mean, but John, this is Paul Craig's first main event. Is it Brandon Allen's also? It might be his first main event. Uh, I'm not no, sure. I think, I think he's had one. I thought didn't he have one against um, Muniz? Maybe. Yeah, I think it was against Andre Muniz. I think. Yeah, that was the main event. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you go. But your first main event, I don't know if I'd be excited. I mean, I obviously would be excited, but I feel like it is it. Do you feel like it's a true main event status when you're at the Apex? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, let's be honest. You're still the main. Yeah, you're still the main event. But I mean, and like, you're still having to go through more media than other oh, people. Yeah. Yeah. You're having to go through a lot more as far as, you know, a lot more is required of you and, mm-hmm. and demanded of you. And that's just part of. Oh yeah, being in that main event. So yeah, you know, it's not it's not like being the main event on a freaking pay per view. Mm. I'm not going to sit there and say it's the same, but there's still a lot. Yeah, when I fought Benson, like they took us out to Chicago, like I want to say eight weeks before, seven or eight weeks before. Yeah, it was a lot. Radio man. It was two days. Friday. Yeah. It was a full day of Friday. We got in Thursday night. Full day Friday. Full day Saturday, and then we did like a morning thing on Sunday, and then we bounced out. But it was it was a lot. It was yeah. a lot. But man, I had a really good dinner at Gibson Steakhouse. <laughs> that place is oh, And you will have another? Yes, I will. Week. This week, yep. Hello. Yep. Yes, it is. It is uh it is our listener Amanda's birthday uh this oh, weekend. This weekend. So we're gonna have to plan really? a nice little dinner out for her birthday. But our listener Amanda, I want to wish her a very happy birthday. We're gonna see her. I'll well, you and happy I will see her birthday, on Wednesday Amanda when she arrives. Guerra. Amanda Guerra. Is is it Guetta or Guetta? Guetta. 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 Okay. Well, I'm about to ask First off, it's the same as everything else. I say it wrong. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) Say it wrong. John actually calling out his own pronunciation. Uh, I love it. (laughs) Shit. I can't even even judge anybody because I'm the worst. (laughs) It's like... uh, I I don't even bother. I just don't even... I'm just whatever. It's real simple. It's Amanda, our listener. Look, you know what's funny is when Dave thinks we're getting too sidetracked and we haven't gotten in the fight yet, he sends us little texts through our through our computer to let us know that we're too sidetracked. I hate the fact that we can't flow, John. No, you can flow, but you just this is why we do live. Live doesn't matter. Like live, we just talk about whatever, and Dave can't say shit. So this is why it's so much better. We're gonna start doing more live stuff. All right, let's go with it. Brendan Allen against Paul Craig. This is Paul Craig's second fight at middleweight. Mm-hmm. He actually looked really good at middleweight. Now, there are some questions about this as far as speed-wise. Mm-hmm. Brendan Allen's fast. Brendan Allen's got a good ground game. He's got a good stand-up game. He's a well-rounded fighter fighting out of Kill Clef, mm-hmm. Kill Cliff FC. 
But Paul Craig, this is his chance to shine. This is a big one. For him, this is a big one. I think Brendan Allen's good on the ground. He's got I think he's got obviously he's I think not he's as good got, as Paul Craig. He's not. You're right about that. Okay. But okay. does he have good enough wrestling to stop the takedowns? Possibly. And he's better on the feet. Yes. I agree with that. He's faster. I think Paul Craig, though, at this weight class can be very difficult for a lot of fighters to beat. Big. It's not until he gets up to the top, I think to the top five or six, where he's going to be like, okay, now these guys are so well-rounded, I'm going to have to start really working on my wrestling. I'm, I'm. That's the one thing. I look at him, and this is no dig at him or Mackenzie Dern, but I look at them, they're in the same boat. They they are very one dimensional, and once you figure, out, I think Mackenzie Dern's got better stand up than Paul. Uh, you know, I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna in his in his first fight at middleweight. Yeah, I thought Paul really looked good. I mean, look, you're he's right not, about that. He, he's not you know flashy, but technically he was solid. Mm-hmm. He did things you know that he was supposed to do. He did not try to overextend. He controlled himself where I end up having issues with the way Paul will fight is just to get the fight to the ground. He'll take an incredible amount of damage or he'll go for a, a leg or a position. And it's like, you can't let someone just freely hit you to the head mm-hmm. while you're trying to entwine a leg or something. It's like, Hey, you got to protect yourself in that yeah. situation. I, I know what you want. But you can get to that without absorbing all of that damage. And that's the one thing that, you know, I think if Paul can get to those moments, look, he's dangerous on the ground. There's no doubt about that. But anybody can be, you know, separated from consciousness with one shot. You got to be careful. Yeah, I, I feel like his his strength lies within like his legs whether it's his triangle chokes, his arm bars, his transitions, and then I think also to his grip control, his ability to wrap. And I think now him being former 205-pounder, he's physically big for the the 185-pound division. I'm assuming that his wrist control is very strong, and not just that. It felt like he's got big paws on himself, so he wraps around the smaller wrists. He's able to control. That helps with the push and pull when you're attacking your triangles. That helps with pulling the arm in, trapping the head, attacking arm bars. All of those things, omoplatas, all that stuff comes from the wrist control. If you're learning how to set it up properly, also the wrist control keeps you from taking a lot of damage from the bottom position. And so um, I I love Paul Craig in terms of I like what he's doing. He's going to run into problems when you get into that. Keep up the middleweight division. Yeah, I'd say into that top five. He's going to run into, in, into problems around that around that top five. Like, yeah, look at Whitaker. I think Canadair gives him some problems too. The wrestling, the Canada's, strength. Vittori's pretty damn good on the Vittori's ground. Vittori's gonna have him give him problems. You know, Paulo Costa, Paulo Costa, Delizzi, Chamayev. I mean, yeah, like not until you kind of get to Hermanson. You got Brendan Allen. Like you're kind of basically like that seven. Roman Delizzi's not anyone you want to fuck around with on the ground. No. In terms of, oh, oof, guy hits like a truck. Can wrestle. But you're right. The, the one thing you're absolutely right is when you watch Paul on on his back, watch how he extends and grabs with mm. his legs and pulls his opponent yeah. to the position he wants. He doesn't just yeah. try to wrap his legs. 
he uses them to grab a hold of and bring them, bring yeah. you where he wants you to be. So like those girls at the strip club, just like that, just, <laughs> just soup sucks yeah. you in. You, you used to <laughs> love those girls. Yeah, I never did. No, but you know what? When I went though, I went big. When I went to a strip club, I went big. I take $2 bills instead of $1 bills. So I, $2 bills. Yeah. You're so, you know how, yeah. you know how, you know how awesome it was to man. show up there with $2 bills. Look to, I don't know if to them or not, but I think for most people, two dollar bills are so rare. That made me just even more rare to these strippers. Like, oh my god, this dude's throwing out two dollar bills. I'm doubling my money. I'm doubling my money with one guy. Like, this is. I'm of course they're going to be over by me. Why go with a five dollar or a ten dollar or a twenty when I could throw around two dollar bills? And they were more excited about it. You guys, next time you guys go to a strip club, try the two dollar bill thing. I'm telling you, it works. It works. That's what separates you from the other, all the other guys throwing dollar bills around. No one gives a fuck. Like, especially with all this inflation going on these days, get away from the dollar bills, right to the $2 bills. You automatically stand out automatically. And honestly, a lot of those girls probably got $2 bills as like a gift for their birthday presents when they were a kid. They haven't seen one since. So they're thinking, man, this is so rare. This is so cool. John's why, rolling why, his why, eyes. Why, why don't you just Why are you rolling some, your eyes, dude? Why? Because you're here. here's the advice you should be giving people. <laughs> hey, if you go to a strip club and you're you're throwing out $1 bills or $2 bills or $5 bills or $20 bills, I don't give a shit. Just realize that the girl who's up on that stage looking at you sees you like a giant lollipop. You're a uh. sucker. You're okay? a and all she's trying to do is take your money oh i love when you go to a strip club and your dude walks your buddy walks out with you and goes man she's gonna meet me later oh, okay yeah, yeah. Sure <laughs> or, she, or she was into me yeah, she fell in love she with you she was into me. you it's like yeah she was into yeah. me man we were yeah, i got her number call that number <laughs> i want to see call the number but call it on speaker like so a, we can all hear it like a giant <laughs> lollipop. You're a big old sucker. It. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, look, I think it's going to be a shape up to be a good fight. Can Brandon Allen, uh, Brandon Allen, can he stop the takedown? Can he keep it on the feet? I mean, just anytime the fight, hit, I also think anytime the fight hits the ground, if Brandon Allen can just get release the, the wrist control from Paul Craig, kind of look to back out, don't play that game at all. He's got a good chance of getting the win. Paul Craig, he's going to have to work to get into the body lock. You know, the, remember, I mean, he went through a phase though where he was like he couldn't get the takedowns; he would just flop to his back. Yes, you got to be careful with that because yes. the guy follows up right away as you flop when you don't have control of your body. You take one or two big shots and it's over. You're rocked, and then the rest of the shots don't matter because you're not you're waking up from an unconscious state. Well, <laughs> so. this this really comes down to when you're looking at this fight. Brendan is going to want to keep this fight in the standing position mm -hmm. as long as he can. He wants to use his speed, use his footwork to just frustrate mm. Paul Craig. Paul Craig, he's going to want to get this fight to the ground. The question is, can he? That's really what you're looking yeah. at. Next fight. Ah, we got Michael Morales against Jake Matthews. This is actually a really good fight. Now, Morales is a guy who's undefeated, super strong, super big, quick. He's got all that youth going for him. Jake Matthews is a talented fighter. This is a big test, in my opinion, for Michael Morales. He's had some good wins. Mm -hmm. Jake Matthews is a talented fighter. Just depends on what Jake Matthews shows up. Sometimes he shows up, and, man, he's on point. He's technically sharp, everything. And then there's times he's shown up, and it's like nothing's really working for him. 
And I don't know if it's just, you know, you know, didn't have a good camp, what it is, but the guy can fight and he is talented, but he's up against uh, a guy who believes in himself, has confidence again, mm-hmm. undefeated and has shown that, you know what? Physically very strong, very fast, yeah. powerful. I like Michael Morales. Yeah. I like Michael Morales too. 15 and oh, like you, I agree with you, whichever Jake Matthews decides to show up, you know, yeah. he has click on Jake Matthews. I'm trying to remember what fight it was. He looked fantastic. It was like a fight or two oh, yeah. ago. Uh, against Andre Fialo. Andre Fialo. <clears throat> against my uh, former teammate. Yeah, yep. he looked fantastic. I was like, holy shit, this kid's putting it together. He's going to be a reckoning with. And he comes out and smell uh, Semmelsberger. Semmelsberger. <laughs> it was big. a good fight. It was close. It was close. It but, was good. But it was it was one of those ones you expected just a little bit more at times, and you just couldn't deliver on it. Yeah, I, I did. expect it a lot more after his performance he had against Fialo. <clears throat> yeah. And just wasn't there. Good on the feet, good on the, you know, good on the ground, good exchanges on the feet. He looked fantastic. Um, and losing to Sean Brady before that was, is no, that that's, you can't be mad yeah. about that. Sean's a stud. No. <laughs> um, sorry, excuse me. And so, but with Morales though, 15 and 0, that's a tough task for him jumping up and fighting someone like Jake Matthews, but Morales got power. He, he has that. Almost feel like he has that it factor. But this, like you said, this is a big step for him in competition. But I see a lot of good things in him. He's composed yeah. when he's out there. He doesn't rush things. He's got power. He well, he like has, but in his last fight, yeah. he actually looked like he was starting to settle in a little bit mm-hmm. and understand that, hey, I don't have to try to get rid of guys real fast. Let me just let the fight come to me and let me use the tools that I've been learning and all these things mm-hmm. that have, you know, the training has been about and just take my time and like he's got power you know at any moment he can put somebody out and he is fast and he's yeah young and he, can, he can take a shot too so mm-hmm. he, he's he's gonna be fun to watch 15 and 0 yeah he's getting there i gotta be honest man i i get so jealous watching these young kids with power <laughs> <laughs> i could have fought so many like less rounds in my career, my career could have been so much longer had I had power. Just... Yeah, but you know, part of part of your power <clears throat> is you were you moved you moved a lot. I you did. were up on your toes and you were moving all over. It's hard to it's hard to have big power when your feet aren't planted in the ground. Yeah, I hated getting hit, so I tried to move as much <laughs> so as I possibly that. could. I was like, screw That's this. It. Next fight. Chase Hooper taking on Jordan Levitt. This is actually an interesting fight. It is. It's actually an interesting. We got the twerk master in Jordan going against Ben Askren's unclaimed child in Chase Hooper. (laughs) Oh, man. Look, he's actually. Bastard child. (laughs) He's actually started to look like he's putting on a little bit of maturity and size and and, and starting to get a little bit more. He's still in that. He's got a great ground game. It's the stand-up that is the question. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jordan basically lives off of being pretty good on the ground. And, you know, stand-up is adequate. Yeah. So this is actually a good matchup for the two. Uh, it's just Chase Hooper's physical strength. He just he hasn't become a full-blown no. man yet. And it's going to take true. him some time. He's, And that's, my, that's always been my concern when you bring in these fighters at a young age. Uh, I mean, like, I'm going to look at Patty Pimlet as an example. Patty, though, he was offered yeah, a chance. a little bit different. You didn't let me finish. No, okay. Patty was offered a contract beforehand. 
What? <laughs> Being a jerk. I just Patty's different. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Patty was One offered a contract time. by the UFC early in his career. Yeah, Earlier in his career. Down. And he turned it down. He, he wasn't down. ready yet. Smart, Smart move by him. Same as Yuri. Yeah, I, I didn't hear Yuri the Yuri story. Too. I heard about that, but I didn't, I didn't hear the details did. on it. So, um, but with Chase, he just he you can physically look at him and say he's not quite ready, and not anything to do with his his actual skill level. He's got great skills. He's got to work on his stand up, obviously. Um, but his physical strength is going to be a problem for these guys that are 25, 27, 28, 29, physically filling into their bodies and in their prime. Whereas Chase still has a little a long ways to go. But we did I did notice in his last fight, <clears throat> he was looking like he was filling out shoulder wise, you know, chest wise, whatever it is. But he needs to develop that um that strength, that's for sure. But this this just does make for a very interesting fight. You've got Levitt, like you said, is good on the ground. Chase is good on the ground. Will they try to cancel each other out and just keep it on the feet so we can good. watch a really shitty kickboxing fight? Or will we get to see two ferrets on the ground getting after the jiu-jitsu and we get to see a high-level you know, MMA jiu-jitsu fight? I would like yep. to see it. So um, we're going to see. We're going to see how this all pans out. But I think the length and the reach of Chase Hooper in terms of on the ground, his ability to set up his triangles, his arm bars, his, his leg attacks, all of those things makes for a very, very interesting exchange between the two of them. And uh, we're going to see. We're going to see exactly uh, how this pans out. I think it's going to end up hitting the ground, both of them. I think both are going to try to prove that they're better than each other on the ground. Ah, it's gonna be fun. You. Next fight, Peyton Talbot against Nick Aguirre. This is Peyton Talbot's actually a good fighter. He's got a lot of talent. Aguirre's tough too. It's a good matchup. Yeah, this is guys that most people don't know, mm-hmm. but both guys. I mean, they're in the bantamweight division. That's a <clears throat> badass division right now. It takes a lot of talent to be there, and both of them have that. So we're gonna see. Uh, the real question is: Does Peyton have enough? Um, experience. Let's just say it that way. Does he have enough experience at mm. this point to be where he's at? Well, I mean, he's got six fights. He's six and zero, oh, and you've got yeah. a Gary who is seven and one. There's not much difference in the fight. Two fights. No, but Gary's mm. level. Uh, sh- do me a favor. Show Nick Gary's uh, record real quick. Mm-hmm. And. He's only had the one fight against Dan in the UFC. I think this is uh, the first for Shoah Peyton here. Peyton Talbot. Six and zero. Oh. What's that? Yeah, coming off of the Dana White's Contender mm-hmm. Series. That's what I thought. So, he's, look, he's from, you know, the West Coast, California area. Mm-hmm. He's good. I've seen him fight. That first fight, no matter what, in the yeah. UFC, people either respond really well to it or they tend to, you know, just the pressure kind of slows them down, makes them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Yeah, he's got to let it hang out. Like sometimes you fight too conservative. You're going to get tired no matter what. Sometimes they don't want to blow their wad. They get, they get nervous about it all. Yeah. I don't know. My first fight was very fast. <laughs> it was very fast paced and it was very fast. Well, you know, Gary was in the same position as Talbot is in this one. He was undefeated going into the UFC. I'm looking what happened. Yeah. yeah True. So, but we'll see. All right. Is there any other fights on this card? Normally after John, after we have a pay-per-view that did well and we know it was stacked and they spent a lot of money on it, we normally have a card that's not very good the next week. 
And this is what I feel. I wouldn't say it's not going to be very good. There could be a lot of no, there's some good matches. sneaky good fights in this card. Just a lot of them are people. That a lot of guys. A lot of people that haven't seen. Yeah. Before. But, They're probably uh, all do, guys right off the the Dana White Contender Series. Yeah, I think the Pinero versus uh, Amanda Hebas fight is actually mm -hmm. a good fight. Yeah, I think that's a well matched, and I, I think Amanda Hebas is tough as hell. She's coming Pinero off a loss, also, right? I believe. So. Who'd she lose to? God, what was her name? Was it um, Santos? No, no. Macy no, Barber. No. Macy Barber. Yeah, <clears throat> yep. she beat uh, Rahu. Rojo, and oh, then Rahu. she lost to Chikagian. Whatever happened to her? Chikagian. She's been around for a little bit. Yeah, 2022, May of 2022. Jeez, when did yeah. she fight last? Yeah, May October. of 20. Yeah, October of 20. Well, I guess well, that's over a year. Or that's a, yeah, it is over a year now. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, hey, that's going to wrap up our UFC talk. And uh, now we're going to go ahead and break into the Bellator talk 301. John. 301. <laughs> Look at that. Let's check it out. But before we go into that, go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in. We did a live chat over there. did a little bit of uh, Q&A with a couple people. And uh, John talked about and did a, a breakdown a little bit more in depth over the stoppage from Alex and Yuri. And to sum it all up real quick, you guys can actually go over to OnlyFans. I believe they can still watch it there, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, you guys can watch it over there. But subscribe to us over there. It is free. We did our breakdown of that uh, early stoppage or what people thought was an early stoppage or called it an early stoppage. And uh, you guys can listen to it all over there. So check it out, OnlyFans.com slash Wayne. And it is free to subscribe to us over there. Head on over there, OnlyFans.com slash Wayne. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right. What else you got for us? Here we go. Bellator 301. Amazon versus Jackson. Oh. Good. I fight. know you like this fight. I love this fight. <laughs> I love this fight. <laughs> Yaroslav Amazov at 27-0. The best record in MMA at this time. Uh, well, yeah. When you say best record, let's say the current undefeated yeah. record <clears throat> at 27-0. Taking on Jason, the ass-kicking machine, Jackson, who is at 16-4. and four. Look, this is one of those these guys match up really well. Jason Jackson is a long, as you would say, tall, long, and lanky mm -hmm. fighter who is, uh, he's got power in his hands. He's got, he's got very good stand-up. He's got good wrestling. He's got a submission <laughs> game. Look, he, he's been training with, with killers for most of his career. He's had some bad breaks in some of his fights where, you know, he had, he had a loss to Ed Ruth where there was no way that he lost that fight. He knocked Ed Ruth down three times in that fight and had Ed in all kinds of trouble. And he lost a split decision. Don't ask me how. But uh, he's had some bad breaks. But he believes that he can get past Amazov. Right now, nobody has. And Amazov in his last fight looked fucking unbelievable. So... Yeah, great matchup. You, you guys that are going to be watching Bellator, you're watching me at the desk. Every time I say tall, long, and lanky this night, you guys got to take a, a shot. Drink. Have a drink. <laughs> have a drink. Take a shot. Have a drink. Whatever it is. All right. Maybe eat another chicken wing. I don't know. But do whatever it is you want to. But I'd say have a drink. Have a shot. You've got Jason Jackson, tall, long, and lanky. You've got Patchy Mix, tall, long, and lanky. You got Danny Sabatello, 
who's kind of tall, long, and lanky for 135 pounds. And you've got A.J. McKee, who's kind of tall, long, and lanky for the weight. Keep going. Keep Damn. going. Keep going. Get drunk. Let me see. Good scroll scroll up a little no bit alcohol. more there, Dave. Scroll up. Who else is on this car that could be considered tall, long, and lanky? Oh. Mm. Carrie Melendez. Carrie Melendez. She actually can. <laughs> she's actually pretty. She's kind of tall for the for the weight class. One twenty five. She's normally used. She normally fights at one fifteen, but Bellator doesn't have that weight class, and they they kind of accommodated her for a while. But this fight is it going to be? It's going to be at one twenty five. Her first fight at mm -hmm. one twenty five. So good for her. Um. Yeah. I'm looking forward. Look, is that Hidriev again? Huh. Nice. Nice work. Ooh. Him and Justin. Uh. Tamur. His rev is fighting uh, Justin Israel, Gonzalez. Yeah. That should be a good That's fight. That's a hell of a fight. But I don't want to skip past the main event because I've said this for how long, John? How tough of a fight do you think that this is going to be for Jason Jackson and Amosov? I think Jason Jackson stylistically will be Amosov's tough, toughest fight today. Could be. Look, he's got all the tools. All the tools necessary to, to be that guy that can create problems. He's first. The, the first thing about Jason Jackson. He's tough as hell. He does not quit. He is at this point. He believes in himself. He knows that, you know, all the people that he trains with, he knows what he can do. He can wrestle. He can stand up. He can use submission, even though he really doesn't. He likes to ground and pound. And when he gets the, the fight to the ground and he postures up well, and he does that incredibly well. But again, he's fighting a guy that you, no one's ever beat. So when the, when we talk about, Oh, there's that blueprint out there. The only guy that you could say gave a blueprint on Amazon was a teammate of Jason Jackson in Logan Storley, who has fought him twice, has two losses to him. But in the first one, he tried to wrestle with him. He got into the wrestling with him and he got him tired. But Amazon talks about that and says, look, I had a horrible training camp. I had all kinds of things going, going on and it wasn't good. And I got tired and that'll never happen again. And it hasn't happened since. So yeah. We're going to see if he, if Jason Jackson can push him in that direction. I also looked at Logan Storley is one of Jason Jackson's main training partners. And Logan Storley's fought Amosov twice. The first time it went that a helps. very close fight. Second time Amosov ran away with it. The fight was taken over by the halfway through the first round after a couple of vicious leg kicks. When you look at Jason Jackson, Jackson Jackson's really good on the feet checks kicks delivers kicks can sprawl and brawl and he can go ahead and he can use his reach and his speed i think to his advantage of touching amasov on the feet but where i look at the difference is that jason jackson will sometimes leave himself out of position he overextends sometimes he is overly aggressive sometimes he will sometimes try to do like lateral drops or trips and takedowns and get himself off balance and what i've seen from amasov is that you can't make, make a lot of mistakes. You, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and you cannot allow yourself to make mistakes yourself because he will capitalize on it really fast. You leave yourself in a position. He will hit that, that Anaconda or that Darsh from any Darsh, position, yeah. you know, and, mm. and he's quick on it. He believes in his wrestling, which is crazy because he never really wrestled at all when he was younger. It's all more of like a, he's got many, such fantastic wrestling. How many NC2A champions or all Americans have we watched fight him? And he has out wrestled every one of them. Yeah. Ed Ruth, three time national champ. He was able to hip toss him, able to take him down. I mean, he, he made it look easy and sometimes, and he was able to stuff takedowns that Ed Ruth was shooting. 
it was just, it was very remarkable. You have a six-time state champ out of South Dakota, four-time All-American, and Logan Storley. He was able to take Logan Storley down. He was able to get up from Logan Storley. He was able to threaten submissions against Logan Storley. All of these things. And Jason Jackson, I still believe, will be probably his toughest fight. Right now, it's Logan Storley was his toughest fight today, the first yeah. fight. You know, um, and the rest of them, he pretty much, I feel like he made the rest of them all look easy. It's something about his calmness and the way he fights. He has the bounce in his step. He's got power behind his kicks. And we had Johnny Eblen on. Johnny Eblen talked about he is hands down the best 70 pounder he's ever worked with. And he's trained with a lot of top guys. He's like, look, he could go to 85 and probably give a lot of people a ton of fits, a ton of fits. He's like, one of, he's like, he's one of my best, if not my main training partner, because he's so good. I have to be worried about him everywhere on the feet, on the ground. He's like, I can't allow him to dictate the pace or I can't allow him to do what he needs to do. And I know, I know his game. These guys that are fighting him don't know him. They don't know what he's good at. They don't know how he sets things up. I know it. And I still have a hard time stopping it. I don't know. It's until somebody shows me, I was concerned about the Logan Storley fight. This fight here, the speed, the reach, the range, the ability to, to, to mix it up with the inside kick, outside kick, all those things. Jason Jackson, I think, is going to give him fits. But I'm, it's hard for me to go against Amosov because I've never seen a little kink in the armor. I've never seen someone really do work against him outside of the Logan Storley first fight. And when he explained it to me, my camp was crap. I had a horrible weight cut. I didn't rehydrate properly. And it just showed because in the second fight when they fought, he just... Ran away with it. He was in great shape, touching him up, and it was he had a great game plan. He looked physically really good. He's looked could have gone ripped. ten rounds. He could have, and he and and then I've seen him. I saw him three weeks, almost almost a month ago on Instagram. A couple videos he posted, a couple things. He, he was shredded a month ago, super lean. He's already got his weight down. I think he knows how important it is for him to continue on this path. Twenty eight no. The the. Twenty-seven zero, but I'm saying like if he gets to twenty-eight, to if he gets to twenty-eight zero, one away. one away from being what Habib is at twenty-nine and zero, he realizes how close he is, and everyone's gonna say, ah, oh, the competition, the competition, dude. He's beat some really good guys. You know, I'm getting sick and tired of hearing he came from. I believe he came from ACA, correct? Or AC, ACB? No, no, he was fighting in the Ukraine. Can you pull up his uh, his uh, his I record? Say it was uh, Tech. Got it. Fighting most of the time with. Scroll on down. You're not going to tell me that they didn't have good guys over there for him to fight. Well, they got good fighters. You know what I mean? Scroll down so we can see the guys he fought in the promotions. So tech, yeah, tech, 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 tech. Yeah. yeah, tech, tech. So he's at tech. Yep. Got it. What is EC? What is uh? Was it ECSF? And what is GEFC mega fight? <laughs> I mean, they're all all in the Eastern European countries. <laughs> yeah, and those guys don't know how to wrestle at all, right? No, no, not at all. Yeah, look, you it's, can take a look. Look at just what we're seeing: submission or naked choke, submission or naked choke, mm -hmm. submission armbar, TKO punches, TKO punches, yeah. TKO punches, TKO punches, a decision, and then submission armbar, submission north south choke. He look, he's got the full game. Yeah, he is a phenomenal fighter, one of the best. You know. Josh, look, I'm not I'm not saying this because, you know, yep. he's with Bellator. He's one of the best fighters I've seen. Now, could he be beat? Sure. There's always a guy that can beat someone. But he if you put him in the UFC right now, if you put him in the PFL, mm -hmm. those guys are going to hate life being with him. 
Yeah. You know, Mike, Mike Brown is his, is his coach. And, you know, obviously Mike's going to be a little bit slanted towards his guy, but he'll tell you, we haven't had a better 170 pounder ever in the gym. And that, that's out of ATT. That's it. That's remarkable yeah. for someone to say that. Hello. Yeah. So no. Yeah. It's funny. Cause um, you know, when you hear Mike Brown talk and, you know, and some of the other guys out of that gym, they're like, these guys are good, man. They're really good. They're like, I mean, they, they believe Johnny Eblen's the best 85 pounder in the world. They've had a lot of good 85 pounders come through American top team. A lot of them. And uh, they're like, yeah, he's probably the best we've ever had. The work ethic, yeah, well, the style. Let, let's take a look at, you know, what Eric Nixick said, who has right now mm. the UFC's mm. middleweight champion. Mm. And we said, hey, if there was, and I, you know, and I'm just talking with him. Hey, if there was anybody out there that you could coach right now that, yeah. you know, who did he pick? He said, I, I, I'd want to coach Johnny Evelyn. He goes, him and I, man, it's just, yeah. and that's because Evelyn goes and trains with, you know, Sean Strickland and stuff. And it's like, hey, these guys are out there. Yeah. You know? We're going to see. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to this fight because there's a lot at stake. You know, if the potential of Bellator going away after this fight is what people are buzzing about. They've been saying it though yep. for a while. And then to see where they where these fighters end up, if they end up with PFL, if they end up, you know, being released or that they end up being uh, negotiating themselves out of their contract, whatever it is they plan on doing or able to do or whatever it is, wherever they decide to go. I'm interested to see how these fighters do in other organizations so we can see um, if people think we're just being biased. <laughs> that's That's where I'm at right now. Uh, I think I I think the world of Amosov, I think the world of Jason Jackson, both of them are fantastic fighters, absolutely yeah. fantastic fighters. Um, and the the next two in the bunch are actually fantastic as well. I mean, we had Eric Nixick on. You've got Patchy Mix and and Sergio Pettis. Eric Nixick said that he believes that Patchy Mix is probably the best one thirty five pounder in the world. He thinks that. Well, yeah, and that's. Sergio Pettis is the champion, but Patchy Mix won the Bantamweight mm -hmm. World Grand Prix, got the million-dollar prize, was the interim champion since Sergio Pettis had been out for so long because he had a knee injury. And Rafion Stotson uh, had gotten that title, and then he beat Rafion Stotson in the final of the Bantamweight Grand Prix. Look, Patchy Mix is growing into an amazing monster, you know, Bantamweight fighter. He's big. For a bantamweight, I don't know how he does it. Yeah, he's got to have hollow bones. But uh, you know, he's learned because he he had his first chance at winning the title against Juan Archuleta, and he lost. He won the first two rounds, and then he allowed a guy who had more experience teach him that you know what, you can't get angry in a fight. You can't you know chase people. You got to know how to control your emotions in the fight. And it was something that, you know, at the time, Patchy Mix, if you combined his professional record and his amateur record, he was like, he had 25 wins in a row and believed that he couldn't be beat, but mm -hmm. he got beat. And it, a lot of it was, you know, the mental aspect. Well, he's changed all that. He changed where he was training at, you know, and, and it's not like he just trains at Extreme Couture. He trains all over Vegas. Mm -hmm. He trains at Syndicate. He trains at the PI because his girlfriend is... Tatiana Suarez and he goes there all the time and is training with all those guys. And you know, we we've talked with enough people that have said, dude, I've watched him yeah. train with everyone and there's nobody that is able to do anything with him on the ground. 
he's that good. He is yeah. that s- special when it comes to his ground game. Now, Sergio Pettis is coming off a beautiful win in his comeback fight against the featherweight champion in Patricio Pitbull. And a lot of people can look and say, well, Pitbull you know, should not have gone down in weight. You know, maybe lost a step. The speed difference was part of it. Sergio Pettis put on a beautiful performance. He dictated every part of that fight. He used his speed. He used his lateral movement. He just pieced up a very tough and good fighter the way he's supposed to. You don't have to, you know, put the guy away. You just have to continue to put shots on him and wear him down. And that's what he's going to have to do with Patchy Mix because I think people are going to look and say, Patchy is a monster when it comes to the first round. He comes after people. He has so many first round finishes. It's crazy. But I think he's gotten smart enough to, to know, hey, I don't have to finish the fight. Yeah. It really showed when he fought Horiguchi that he kept doing the same thing over. And that fight went five rounds. And that was the best five rounds that Patchy Mix could have ever had in his career because he was dominant throughout all of it, but never made the mistakes that you expected him to make against a veteran fighter like Horiguchi and just kept doing the same things over and over and just taking round after round after round and just put on an amazing performance. And he's matured. Yeah. And now these two guys in the Bantamweights, this is a, this is a great bantamweight championship fight. Yeah, I talked to Patchy Mix after his loss to Juan Archuleta, and then entering in, into the the million dollar tournament. And I, I honestly believe he would he would have lost probably in the first or second round, but probably the first round of the tournament had he not lost to Juan Archuleta first. Yeah, <clears throat> he would have fought a way different fight. He would have fought the way he fought in that first fight against Juan. He he would have thought he could have just walked through whoever. I'm going to just keep walking forward. You're going to make a mistake. Once I get your back, it's all over. He had such confidence, very much a sense of cockiness um, yeah. when he before he fought Juan. I'm going to take him down. I used to train with him back in the day at Greg Jackson's when he came in one time. Dominated him. Dominated him, had his back, subbed him, did all these things, right? It's different in the cage. It's different yeah. when the lights are, when you're underneath the lights. It's well, different when, he, the, you know, when everything's there. Did he not get Juan's back? Yeah. Yeah. For the first two rounds. But to submit him? No. Nope. A little bit different. It's just, yeah, everything's just, di- it's just a different feeling when you're in there. There's more pressure. There's more, the fighters fight harder. Yeah. You can't mimic that in the gym. And I think he, that was a big deal to him to, for him to understand whatever happened in the gym is practice. That's not real. That's not, that's not what happens in the actual cage. And that just made him a way better fighter. Taking that loss and him being able to absorb that in going, man, I, I can get so much better. I've got to bury my ego. I've got to, I've got to figure it out. And he did that. You have to swallow your pride and not blame everyone else. Focus at what, look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know what? I made some big mistakes in that fight. Yep. And he did. I mean, I tip my hat to him, man. And then Sergio Pettis coming off of a long, about a year off. Then coming back in his first fight back is against Patricio Pitbull coming down in weight. Someone who's got big power and has pretty damn good wrestling. Was able to take Juan Archuleta down who used to wrestle at Purdue. Like these guys can wrestle and Pettis was able to stop takedowns. Pettis was able to get back up to his feet when he did get taken down. And the speed was a huge factor. Touching. 
very calm and composed. His spinning kicks, his his head kicks, all of those things were a factor in that fight. He was able to get there, get in, get out without getting hit, which is very remarkable because every time someone gets touched by Patricio, they go to sleep. Ask Michael Chandler. You know, and they those type of things make a big difference when you're fighting somebody like a Patricio, Pit, Patricio Pitbull. You've got to be cautious of how long you stand in the pocket and make trades. And he he came out. He fought a great fight. He's going to have to fight this fight, though, perfectly against somebody like Patchy Mix. Because when I look at I look at who I think is the better stand up between Patricio or not Patricio, but Sergio and uh, and Rafael Stotts. I'm thinking that they fight very similar. I would say Sergio's got maybe a slight edge in the standup, but the speed oh, advantage is going to the speed advantage is going to go towards the speed advantage is going to go towards Stotts, and Stotts is can wrestle the shit out of people. But yeah. the way that Patchy Mix understands now his his uh, his height and those knees coming up the middle, he doesn't need to have great standup. He uses a long push kick, knee up the middle, touch you with the jab. Very much like a Corey Sanhagen. Corey's really slick on the feet. But Patchy mm-hmm. knows, like, look, this is where I live. I live in the push kick range. You get too close. I throw the knee up the middle. Okay. If I want to keep you further away, push kick and jab, push kick and jab. Don't overextend. Stay in my stay in my range. It's almost like that movie Hitch. Okay. We're not dancing. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. No, we live here. Two steps to the right, tight. two steps to the yeah. <laughs> two steps to the right, two steps to the left. That's what we're doing. He doesn't, he doesn't get out of his comfort zone. He doesn't chase anymore, leave himself stretched out, you know, and out of position. And when he does get the fight to the ground, this dude, he's a finisher. And you Magomed Magomedov found out, made one mistake, boom, choked, unconscious, waking him up. I mean, he just finds ways to finish you. And uh, I know Juan was able to survive, you know, in their fight and Horiguchi, the same thing. When you're dealing with someone like a Horiguchi, I'm glad you brought up Horiguchi earlier because that fight, John, I thought for sure the speed of Horiguchi, the ability to get in and out with the amount of power that Horiguchi has, the way he's able to dip and pretend like he's going to get the takedown, the way he's able to dip and the way he's able to close that distance, the way he bounces in and bounces out with such power, I thought I was going to give Mix some problems. It didn't. Mix just fought very calm. He fought very calm, composed, hands up, stayed defensive there. If you take me down, who cares? This is where I want to be. I'm better than you on the ground. And he knew it. So go ahead, take me down. I don't think you're going to shoot on me. So he just kept his hands up the whole time and fought a very brilliant, brilliant fight. But this is going to be a good fight. Next fight, we got the rematch. Rafael Stotts versus Danny Sabatello. Mr. Tall, Long, and Lanky again. Come on. You got to love this. It's going to be fun. Like, these guys fought in that in that World Grand Prix. Rafael Stotts got the split decision uh, victory. Uh, Danny... Danny did great with his wrestling, but did not do enough to damage Rafion. And I think he learned something from that fight. He wants to do damage. These guys don't like each other. No, they don't. They do not like hmm. each other. It's one of the best parts about this whole thing because look, they both talk. They both have the, the talking game down. Danny does talk, you know, his opponents down until after the fight. And then he'll say something good about it. But by that time, it's too late. Rafion doesn't care. He talks every he's gonna talk you down. And he does not like Danny Sabatello. He wants to prove that Danny got lucky getting a, a one judge to even look in his direction during the first fight. I I expect this to be a little bit different because one of the things that I, was that happened before is both of them really good wrestlers. 
But Sabatella was able to take him down because Stott said, I thought my wrestling was good enough. I didn't practice at all. That was not a smart move because Sabatella was able to take him down several times in that fight. Is it going to be different? Is it going to be that Rafael can stop those takedown attempts? Or is Danny Sabatella still going to be able to get in there, get in the top position, and this time do damage? I think what we're going to find in this fight, though, is that they're in different places of their career now. Not They're probably in the same place in their career, but they're in different places than for their first fight, both coming off losses. Yeah. You know, Danny Sabatella getting choked out and submitted for the first time in his career, and Rafael Stotts getting knocked out by Patchy Mix. Both second of the, both second time, yeah. But both career. but both of them are coming off losses. And in that yeah. feeling of like, man, I need to get this win. There's a lot riding on this fight right now. And <clears throat> the wrestling definitely, I think Stotts gonna try to take care of that. But I also want to know where Stotts is mentally. I mean, he was riding on cloud nine going into that patchy mix fight. I'm going to win this. I'm going to take that million dollars, go home, spend it on my kids, spend it on like, he just had that about him. And, and patchy mix was very focused. Like, no, this is what I'm doing. I, nothing's going to happen until I get the, I get that check in my hands. Danny Sabatello, you know, goes over to Japan, ends up getting caught in a submission and just was in shock. Like, man, I can't believe this is happening. You know what I mean? He's taken two losses in his last what three fights or whatever it is. I mean, it's it's not it's new it's new territory for him. Yeah. Where are they both now mentally? Are they going to fight the same way they did in the first fight, which was very action packed, a lot of wrestling, a lot of scrambling, a lot of giving position, a lot of taking position. It was a great fight. When I say two ferrets on the ground, that fight is exactly what I talk about. Two guys just getting after it, transition after transition. Great stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they make the changes and how they um, how they make the adjustments also in there. Well, this isn't working. Okay, like what changes can I make between rounds one and two? That's what I'm looking forward to. Next fight. AJ McKee taking on Sydney Outlaw. AJ was in the lightweight Grand Prix, had to pull out based upon a staph infection. This is his first fight back. Sydney Outlaw was in that same Grand Prix, had to be pulled out because he got caught with something that he wasn't supposed to have. He said, oh, I made a mistake, but he's back. And uh, this is one, you know, Sydney Outlaw's grappling is outstanding. So is A.J. McKee's. I think A.J.'s got a definite advantage on the feet. He's got more length. But Sydney Outlaw's got really long arms. Mm-hmm. He's got a crazy reach when you look at what it is and stuff. So that might, you know, AJ might be taller, but it's going to even out about the same in the reach. But AJ has got probably the better stand-up game overall. He's got better kicks than Sydney. Probably. Yeah, well, I'm just going with it, you know. But on the ground, we've seen Sydney Outlaw on the ground. Sydney mm-hmm. Outlaw can go with anybody. Yeah. I I don't think Sydney's going to be able to stand with him at all. Uh, we watch, if I go back to the Tofik Mosiah fight, the speed of Tofik Mosiah, just right off the bat, just flustered and just got, got, he got caught so fast. Didn't know yeah, which 20 which, seconds. Yeah, I know, but which direction to look. Just was lost out there when it came to the, the blitz that Tofik put on him. AJ, I think, is going to fight very similarly. He's going to come out very aggressive, very fast, long kicks, keep him at the end, long body shots, long jab right down the pipe, almost probably, probably right below the chin. He's going to do all these things. Sydney's going to have to close that distance right away and get into some sort of body lock. And even when the fight does hit the ground, 
I think AJ is good enough to get himself back to the feet without really jeopardizing too much in terms okay. of the grappling and positioning. I agree. Um, this is a really tough task for Sydney Outlaw and AJ McKee, yeah, obviously. Look, the, the fight to make, and everyone, I think everyone's talking about this. The fight to make is Usman versus AJ McKee. That's the fight to make. Like, if, if you're the next, you know, if, if you end up buying Bellator and you end up being, the, I mean, that's the fight that everyone's looking to make. That everyone's looking to see is that well, fight. Well, they should. Yeah. You know, we're going to find out. But uh, AJ. Before that fight, we have Patricky Pitbull Friday against Alexander Shabley. And this is in the lightweight Grand Prix. Tell you what, Alexander Shabley is a monster when it comes to his stand-up ability. Very technically proficient. He's got good power. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Took a guy like Tofik Mosaev and basically shut him down. And uh, we've seen what Pitbull can do. He's got power in his hands. Mm -hmm. He can end a fight with one shot. Uh, getting a little bit up in you know, age when it comes to the lightweight division. Uh, you know that's not easy. As you get older, it's tougher, the speed and everything. And and he's up against it, you know, with Shobley. But we've seen him pull it out before. So, yeah, this is a, this is an awesome fight. No, I agree. I look at Shobley, and I've trained with Shobley. He's a sniper on the feet. And uh, since he's been over at American Top Team, his ability to kind of pick up the Masvidal kind of relaxation out there. Um, his combinations, the way he kind of keeps his hands a little bit lower. When I had trained with him, his hands were rare. It was the hands were up high. He just kept very defensive and just let his punches and stuff come from, from his elbows and everything come from his cheek and his elbows from his ribs and just clean, very clean and smooth. He's relaxed out there now. He's a little bit more, he's more fluid. He understands that I can go ahead and let you go slip move my head offline and counter right away. He likes to dig the body. He's really good at digging the body, but he mixes up from the body to the head extremely well, snaps a nice clean jab. Patricky's got his hands full. I think the, the younger fighter is a little bit more crafty than most on the, on the feet than I think Patricky's going to be used to, but that nullifier though, Patricky Pitbull's got power. That power is the last thing to go. And he's not quite, that power is not going to be gone. It's not gone yet. It's not even, I don't even know if it's starting to fade at all. The speed to get it there is a little bit, but that power is still there. <clears throat> so Shelby's got to be very cautious and careful when it comes to uh, getting in there and exchanging with big shots. Yeah, and Shelby's not much of a kicker, even though he can kick, but he's not no, much of a kicker. No, he's boxing centric. Yeah. So yeah. this makes for a fun fight, but, but he will kick. Yes, he will. But I mean, that's, I mean, look at what Tofik, right? The push kick up the middle, two of those and a couple broke knees. The ribs. Yeah. Broke the ribs. It makes for a fun fight because Shabley can can look and see where's where's Patricky's kryptonite, the calf kick, the inside calf kick, and the outside calf kick because he puts a lot of weight on that. We've seen it before in the past. You get after his calf. He had problems with Ryan Scope in that. He had problems with um, with Peter Queeley with that a little bit. The calf kicks and the leg kicks, and then the obviously the elbow. Um, but those type of things is that I think Shabley's going to take a little page out of those guys' books and try to utilize that calf kick and then mix in with his boxing. But it's going to be a good fight. That's going to be a great fight. John, any other fights on here that you want to chat about? Yeah, there's a couple. Look at, I think that the fight between Sumiko Inaba and Denise Kielholz is going to be dynamite. Yep. Both very sharp in the stand-up. You got Tamirk, uh Kizriev against Justin A. The a Train Gonzalez. That is going to be a phenomenal matchup. Archie Colgan going against Peter Buist. That 
Archie Colgan needs people need to watch Archie. Undefeated, unbelievable talent. He can wrestle, but he's just falling in love with his boxing. He's got good, clean yeah, boxing. He, he lets it like fly, and he can wrestle. He just does. He yeah. chooses not to use it. He'll he'll throw one a, a big slam takedown on at the end of every round just to give yep. the crowd something to cheer about and give the judges something to remember him by. But the rest yep. of the time, he's on the feet slinging it out. I am interested in this uh, Carrie Melendez fight only based on the fact that I know Carrie very well. She's a sweetheart of a of a of a lady and um, married to Gilbert Melendez. But also, the girl that she's fighting is a multiple-time world champion in kickboxing. MMA career doesn't look good, but she's got she's good on the feet. So I'm interested to see how much better Carrie's gotten on the ground if she's going to utilize the wrestling because Carrie's no slouch on the feet herself. Comes from a Muay Thai background. She's really good. And so I'm looking forward to seeing if she stands and bangs this out or if she goes ahead and takes this fight to the ground. So look at that. Any other fights on the bottom there? That Mike, Mike Hamill. Hamill. Mike Hamill against Tim Wilde. Should be fun. We have, we, have, we have a nice interview with Mike Hamill. He is a great guy. Just a guy that came into Bellator last-minute replacement, and they put him against, first it was Adam Borch, you know, put on a great fight, almost won it. Then they put him against Uzman Magomedov. I go, they hate this guy. Yeah. And he came to fight every time. If you want to see a fight, Mike Hamill will definitely deliver. This guy is awesome, and so is Tim Wilde. That's going to be a great one. Hey, okay, so this is the first time I've seen him is Ramazan uh, Karamagomedov. Yeah, Karamagomedov, yeah. Did, has he fought for us before? Yes. Did he fight in? One time. Where, where did he fight at? I feel like oh, we God. called that. I feel like the last time we were in Chicago, he fought. He might we had the been. hour delay. One time. He's going up against Randall Wallace, who's been, you know, Got it. been a guy in California for a long time. Tough dude. Uh, got a lot of talent, you know. One of those guys that he's either on or off. When he's on, man, he can fight with just about anybody. And then those times when he's off, it's like, what happened? But it's an interesting fight. Got it. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our Bellator talk. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Dave, you have any news for us? <clears throat> yeah, we'll get into a uh, fight announcement here. Magomed and Kalayev and Johnny Walker getting the rematch. On that's January, the way it should be. Yeah. January 13th. Um, and it's going to be a main event this time, five rounds. Okay. There, you go. there we go. There it is. The winner of that's going to fight Tom Aspinall for the title. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. No, it's just going to turn into like this is this goes into what my next little talking conversation was about. As I saw American, well, not American, MMA fighting put out their rankings. And um, their rankings basically said what? That John Jones is now no longer the heavyweight, not the heavyweight, but he's not the best ranked, heavyweight. He's not the champ. Tom Aspinall is. Yeah. I mean, did we forget about the late hey, work no, that John Jones dude, has done? Memories throughout? are short. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's fun. Something went wrong there, Dave. I lost you. Yeah. No, but, it's, um, it's quite yeah, funny. You know what I, I think it is? I don't know. I think I, I don't know. It's a little weird. I'm looking forward to seeing what Tom Aspinall can do. Everyone knows that I'm high on him. I've said it repeatedly that I think that he is the future in the, in the heavyweight division, and I love it because I love that it's shaping out to be this way. You got Sergey Pavlovich. Right you got Cyril gone. You got, you know, the and, and Jailton Almeida, young guys that are coming up that are fun to watch. I love it. <clears throat> so, I mean, not that Almeida had a very exciting fight last time, but did you guys, did you guys see Chael's take on this where Chael said that um, it's, it's silly to not call him the heavyweight champ because you've got, you're saying you're going to make Jones and Stipe fight and then they're both just going to go into retirement, which is his assumption, right? 
They're both going to go off into the sunset after they fight each other, which is ultimately going to make him the heavyweight champ anyway because he's got to wait for them to fight. So one of them wins the title, they both retire, and then Tom gets crowned the heavyweight champ anyway. And she was like, so... Does John Jones really retire, though? I, I feel like this is the easiest money he's going to make in his whole career is fighting at the heavyweight division. Tom Aspinall is going to be his toughest fight. Okay. I, I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see why you would retire. Like you've got, he's got to train really hard for the Tom Aspinall fight. You get in jail to Almeida doesn't have the wrestling to take John Jones down. He doesn't have to stand up to stand with John Jones. Okay. I like Almeida. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him progress and him and uh, him and Aspinall will be fun. Him and Sergey will be fun. He's got to get better in the wrestling. He's got to get way better on the feet. <clears throat> But uh, Curtis Blade, Cyril Gaunt, Sir Pavlovich is like the guy that potentially could beat John, potentially, but only based on the fact that I think he's probably equally as the the speed and the size of him will give John some problems. Plus, he's got good takedown defense. I don't know, but I look at there's Pavlovich and there's there's Tom Aspinall and the rest of it. That's a lot of easy money for John Jones for years to come. I I think as you look at John Jones. He's been doing this a long time. He's had great success. Now all of a sudden the injuries are starting to pop up in the training and that, that happens, mm. you know, and uh, when you, when you have injuries like the one that he had having your pectoral muscle tear, that's not a good thing. It's saying that, you know, you're getting tighter. The tendons are getting a little more brittle, all these things. So, I mean, if he decides to retire, great, but, he never said he was retiring. He wanted to fight Stipe based upon Stipe being the guy who had the longest streak in the heavyweight division of anyone. But to sit there and to say that now Tom Aspinall is number one over John Jones, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's not. That's a big jump. He went from number three or whatever, number four, whatever it is, to, to being ahead of John, which is a little weird. <laughs> not that I don't think he's good. I just I don't no, I'm not really, I, lo I love him as a fighter. I'm not yeah. putting any, I'm not putting him down at all. Mm -hmm. I just think that the people making that ranking mm -hmm. you're you're being a little bit you know ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> you know, all right, what else you got for us, Dave? Uh Logan Paul retires from boxing says there's no more money left in the sport. Whose phone is that? Yeah, I think it's John's computer. No. Hmm. Who's yeah. phone? Who uh, is your computer a, making a being a binging noise? No, yeah, it's not. It's not me. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> nice no try. Idea. I do have a train. I can hear in the distance. No, no, I'm hearing like Somebody's a iPhone ding. is going off. Someone's iPhone is going off. There's my iPhone dead. Jeez. Nothing on it. Jeez. Hey, Josh, is it notifications on your computer? No. Uh -uh. no. My computer's not even hooked up to my phone. That's why you have to email me. Well, don't know who's it's definitely. I, I get zero <clears throat> notifications on my screen right now, so no idea. No, I don't know what it is. Well, let's talk about Logan Paul here because he makes a great, you know, reason for why he is leaving boxing, and I totally understand because you know, in an interview, he said basically, "I think I've done enough <laughs> in this sport, going undefeated at twenty-five and zero. So yeah, I'm gonna just go with straight wrestling now. So oh. he's obviously." decided to try to take on Chael Sonnen with the talk game because uh, he's got one boxing win, and that's against Dylan Dennis. 
Congratulations, Logan. It was a DQ victory. <laughs> yeah, it's just unbelievable. That's driving it's, me crazy. It's one of you guys because I, I just uh, took my headphones off and it's uh, definitely coming from one of you guys. All right. I, uh, Josh, it might be your notifications on your laptop, your text message on your laptop. So you may no, I don't get I don't get texts on my laptop. I get emails oh. from it and that's from you. That's huh. it. So I'll have to figure it out. Someone's blowing someone up. Jeez, man. So Someone's late. All He's right. Late. Well, hey, ding, ding, ding. Uh, look, ding, I look at this. Ding, ding. This is a show. This is what I wanted to show, John. John, did you see this? Oh, I watched it. Yes. This is so Cause great. Cause Listen you made to this. Me. I know. Can we hear this? So we like to finish our show with a little bit of a funny clip. But these bodybuilders are getting out of control. And... uh this is oh, so this guy got triggered and uh he wanted to let all the MMA guys know that there's no way that all that muscle that he has wouldn't stuff and smash some dude just because he trains MMA. So let's go ahead and can we hear it from yeah. the beginning there, Dave? Yeah. Let's put some volume on this. Somebody commented on my fucking post. So imagine doing all that just to lose in a fight. And I just instantly triggered me. Like I don't work out to fucking you feel me? Five literally fought him in a street fight, I would literally maul him like a fucking bear. I would literally, I'm just sick of all these fucking jujitsu fucking Kaizen fighter fucking bastards, street fighter motherfuckers, thinking just because they know MMA, they, they can whoop a big dude's ass. They get instantly pressed about a dude who's not a skinny fuck. Like you're a skinny bastard. If I catch you on the fucking street, it doesn't matter what kind of fucking fighting technique you know, I'm smashing a bottle over your fucking head. I'm picking up the nearest object and I'm launching it at you. I'm fucking tackling you into the wall. I don't care about your fucking rules and regulation. There's no regulation in the gym that says I can't fucking launch a 45 plate at your fucking skull. <laughs> if it comes down to it, like, you're never going to be in a fair fight. That's the fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, he's These been in a lot of fights. Great. He's been in a lot of fights in his life. These guys are great. You know, I mean, this was funny. You know, look, I used to, I used to lift a lot. And, you know, and I was no. pretty, pretty goddamn strong. <laughs> you know, stronger than him. <laughs> and, uh... It was one of those, when I first rolled with Hoist Gracie, it was like, ah, he's nothing. And then he armbarred me and I went, how the fuck did you do that? Man. Well, that's the same thing that's going to happen to dickhead here. <laughs> it's so <laughs> great. Yeah. I would maul him. You know, the only thing you're going to maul. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. D but, Dave, scroll, scroll down in the, in the comments there. You got a lot of the uh, MMA guys there. You got Groovy Lando. You've got you've got myself in there. You've got who else is in there? Daniel James, <laughs> big the predator. Daniel James, <laughs> He's laughing. Daniel James was smashing. But there's been there's been a bunch of guys on there that I was seeing. It was just funny. They're like, bro, hold on, hold on. go on. go back down there real quick. Just slowly go back. Down. I saw, bro, I'm 200 pounds. Right. <laughs> five, five. Hold on, keep on going down more. There was another one. Bro, I'm 200 pounds. If a 135 or 145 pound MMA guy or some guy tries to stuff, they'll just get picked up and thrown around. You could outpower people by size, weight, and strength. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. For so long. Some people because can. Because it just you doesn't can. mean that it's going to work. Yeah. Some people can, but you can't. That's the thing. Like Some people can, but not this guy. Yeah. Not, not this that guy, guy here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um. There was that thing going around that it was, I wasn't sure if it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen was uh mighty mouse it was DJ was supposed to do with the Bradley Martin thing. They were going to do like a grappling well, match. Bradley Martin's your buddy, dude. 
I know Bradley. I think he's a nice guy. I know. He's your buddy. But that doesn't mean that I think you he could actually, beat DJ. You actually sit there and think that he could beat DJ. No, he shut Yeah, up. you did. I heard you talk about it. You, you were with Brendan shit. and you were fucking going all that bullshit. Who? Because he was sitting there fucking. You. You were with fucking Bradley Martin and Brendan Shaw. Are you jealous? Because I was on. No, I was I'm hanging def- out definitely not. Because I, jealous. Are you jealous? I listened to that dude. John. And he's, he's just a little bit less fucking douchery than this dude B- bradley martin okay. don't be mad he's not my side bradley chick. martin what he's not my side chick okay you're still my number one don't worry brother okay? <laughs> no I, he, I listen to that i listen to that dude sit there and oh, sit, tell first off Devin haney oh no man i'd smash you shut up you're an idiot <laughs> so and then great. he then he had the best was nate diaz response oh because he says you know you're just, take a you're a podcaster uh, <laughs> <laughs> bro he's i think he's funny man i just can't tell if it's real or not no he, he thinks it's real does he, he does he, he like I, I i don't i don't think he thinks that yes he does until uh, hold on, i'm being honest he did ah uh, and then he, then he got fucking tore up and realized uh-oh there was like a there maybe, was like a maybe there's more to it brian callen yeah. Look, and Brian's, uh, you know, been doing jujitsu for a while, but he's a blue belt. He's, but Brian's a great guy. Yeah, he's a Brian Kellen. Fucking would, would fucking beat. Yeah, Bradley. It's funny you say that, like, about this guy, this bodybuilder guy, because, um, Bradley was like, yeah, see, I, I got because I've seen the two of Brian Callen and, and Bradley Martin grapple like inside mm-hmm. Shab's thing, and it's pretty funny because he's holding. Brian down, but we're like, yeah. yeah we, what are you gonna do though? Like, you got to do yeah, more than keep just on, hold me here. Keep on squeezing, bitch. Yeah, you, <laughs> you're gonna keep squeezing. Man, Joe, I feel a little anger in your voice. <laughs> it's, I hate no. It's just that, look. If you <sighs> here, here's my point. To talk is really fucking stupid. You, if you, if you believe, if you believe your stuff, then prove it. Yeah. There's plenty of places you can go. I had too many people. How many people came into your gym? I had too many people. Wow. Come into my gym saying, oh, you know, and, and I had, you know, big bodybuilder guys and stuff. It's like, stop. Hmm. Okay. You're not, you're not. <laughs> you know, and the first thing that happens with a guy like that, first thing that happens is they fucking have 30 seconds of fucking gas, basically. And then they start to turn fucking gray. They turn pink first, yeah. and then they start to turn gray yep. because the fucking oxygen can't get to where it needs to go. And they start fucking... <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah. really? Really? You've been going now for fucking 47 seconds. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. This this guy talk, here seems talk. like he's from, like, Long Island or something. I <laughs> see. You shouldn't say that about... You're, you're labeling guys from Long Island. That guy could be from, you know, Arizona. You never know. Did you hear him talk at all? He's not from yeah. Ma- he's not from Arizona. No. There's no. no way he's from the East Coast for sure. Yeah, I know. just he has does. East Coast written all he's over. He's got it. Jersey written all yeah, over. Yeah, it's Jersey man. long. Like, yeah, that's where he's from, man. He's probably there. You just send Frankie Edgar over to fuck him up. That'd be so great. Frankie, Frankie might know him. A lot of guys know Frankie yeah. over there. That's oh, yeah. great. Uh, but you know what though, guys, we have a special interview for you guys and. Uh, He's a great guy, man. Super great guy. I'm glad we were able to catch it, get a call with him and stuff, and uh, chat with him for a bit. But, John, go ahead. Do our intro. 
We we have got a guy from Omaha, Nebraska, which I screwed up because I was always thinking mm. that Drew Dober was from Oklahoma. He is from Omaha, Nebraska, and he is living in Colorado, training in Colorado now, and having one hell of a career at this moment. He is really putting it on people, doing a great job in his fights, and just looking to try to get that one shot, that one shot, because he did fight. Islam Makachev, and he would like to get a rematch just to see how well he could do again. But Drew Dober is a fantastic guy, and we had a great talk with him. I hope you enjoy the interview. Well, now we are lucky enough to have a man who is now sitting in the top 15 of the UFC's incredibly dense and popular lightweight division. <laughs> Drew Dober, you have had one hell of a run coming up here. How are you feeling, my man? I mean, on top of the world, I get to do what I love doing in front of millions of people. And, uh, man, I'm feeling young as ever, and uh, it's only getting started. John, I've got to say it, man. I feel disrespected. You know it. Bringing guys on here that Look have that. better jawlines than me. What the hell? Look at that. Who baby. told you you could come on this show with that fucking jawline? I feel disrespected right now on my own show. <laughs> I mean, we had to do clean shaving, and we had to show this oh, off. Yeah. A bit. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it was like no shave November, and I shaved last week. You look like you shaved just recently. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. With this jawline, I don't think I can grow a beard. I don't. I don't have enough hair follicles. Bro. Come on, with that jawline, if you had a beard, it would be just like no one would move no. your head. They would punch you and it would just stay don't still. Don't listen to him, man. He's just trying to get people to look as ugly as him. That's why he wants. He, he wants to bring everyone down to his level. I say, hell no, man. Let's let's show this to the world. We we deserve it. We we deserve the world man. deserves to see these type of things. Um. <laughs> Look, I've obviously I've been a fan for, of yours for a long time, but I got to be honest, man. There's a lot of things I follow you on social media. I love a lot of the little things that you do. You've done stuff with the military. You did something just recently with Dominic Cruz. You've also um, I love what you do in terms of you're always having fun. I don't know who's capturing all these home videos of you dancing, but brother, I feel like not only do you have the jawline, you got a great hairline. You're also co very com you, you're going to give me competition on the dance floor. John, John hasn't seen my moves yet, but trust me, I got him, baby. I got him. So I just, I want to know where does all this come from? Like just this free spirit of your, in you. I mean, I think it was just at a young age. I mean, I'm super weird and uh, I couldn't begin to act like somebody else. So I just kept on acting like me and uh, the stage has gotten bigger. More people are watching, but I'm still doing me. And uh, it just happens to be recorded now and posted on the this internet. This is hilarious. So your wife is the one I'm assuming captures all this footage and, and video footage, right? And then you just happen to put the clips together and get it up. Cause there's, there's in the, there's in the kitchen, there's holding the baby, there's in the sauna, getting your moves on. I mean, what, what's her, what's your wife's take on all this? I mean, she like she lives her life to try to embarrass me. You know, she's she's trying to bring me down so she feels better. Which I mean, I don't think she had to work that hard, but uh, yeah, no, she she does all that. So man, it, it keeps me humble, which is God. a blessing. Drew, you have had an incredible career. You're you're young still. You're right in the prime of your career, right at 35. But you've had over 40 professional fights, and I, I include the exhibition ones, like with the Ultimate Fighter and things like that. You've had just a remarkably long career, but you are fighting now better than ever. And it's like you've come into your own. You understand how you need to fight now to be successful. And it's almost that whole thing of, I know you're from Oklahoma, but being in Colorado has been something special for you because you have absolutely, and you can see how you have stepped up the levels since you've been there. 
Well, I'm going to have to correct you. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, shit. I was thinking Oklahoma. Yeah, no, it's the Midwest. It's, it's just one of those. Dirt anyways. <laughs> look, at, look, you see that T for Tennessee, man? Oh, jeez. <laughs> he's been there for – John, John's, John's but, uh, lived in Tennessee for like six months, and all of a sudden now he's a true oh, Tennessean person. <laughs> he's from California who moved, who migrated to Vegas and then abandoned Vegas, and now he's in Tennessee. He likes to claim them all, hey, though, when, he, when it fits the, the narrative. The one thing I would like to abandon is you. <laughs> That would make me feel so good. There'd be no fun and excitement on this show, though. That's what would happen. All right. Sorry to interrupt you, buddy. I'm sorry, man. So Omaha, you're Nebraska. All good, all good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's something in the water in Omaha, Nebraska, man. It's producing some tough fighters. That's because there's uh, nothing else to, to do out. there. <laughs> Tell me about it. If you, if you can't play football, you learn to fight people, and I can't run, jump, or catch a ball. So we're going to throw hands. Um, but, uh, to answer your question, man, uh, one, I'm a late bloomer. I've known this for like a long time. So like I was just hit, I just hit my stride at 30. Uh, but for me, fighting is the constant search of self-improvement in and outside of the octagon. And it, it never stops. It never ends. It's like, how can I be a better version of myself always? And I think what's kept me in the game as long as I have and, you know, the, the streak that I put on and the wins and, and all that stuff is because I'm never satisfied with where I'm at today. I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to learn. And, you know, I have uh, guys all around the world beating me up, teaching me the things I need to improve upon. So I'm just self-aware uh, and I get after it uh, after every loss, win and uh, failure. Do you feel like because like, I look I look at some of the list. You know, I go down your list in your fight career. You've got Terrace McKinney on there. You've got Alves on there. You've got Bobby Green. Wins over those guys. But I look at, like, someone that you you fought and it was with a teammate of mine, Islam Makachev. Seeing him now be the champion, though, and realizing, like, look, I was in there. You, some good scrap, three rounds. I mean, the, the former champ wasn't able to go even go one round with him. Where does that mentally put you knowing, like, look, give me another shot. Get me right there again where I could potentially get that back. I mean, I learned a lot from my fight with him. I mean, just uh, he was able to dismantle my grappling uh, wholeheartedly. And, like, I took a lot from it, uh, both uh, technically and, and mentally. And uh, and then Volkanovsky, with his uh, first fight with Islam, kind of showcased what, what I was thinking that needs to be different when you fight a, a person like him. And uh, so, you know, me moving uh, three rounds with him and then giving him a submission because I was going for broke, uh, just shows my caliber and what I'm capable of. Now, I'm not satisfied with, uh, you know, going to the judges' scorecards or or even taking L's. So we're uh, changing and adjusting and improving to where I'm winning these fights and uh, I'm not just hanging with these guys, you know. And I'm not satisfied with being a gatekeeper. So we're we're moving forward to, to really wreck the house. There's another guy on there that, that I also fought. I got an L by him. You got the win over him was Bobby Green. And Bobby, I feel like, is also kind of a late bloomer. He's kind of coming into his own a little bit, especially during COVID where he was so active. But when I look at the way you fought him in the first round and it was not going your way, taking some shots and all these things, but then you came back, made the adjustments, listened to your corners, put the pressure, put his back to the fence and had success. Like, what what was your corner telling you and what what mentally was going through your mind from round one to round two? I mean, I think I make a, this mistake um, frequently and more recently uh, with my, my last fights, and I get I get tunnel vision on a game plan, right? And like I'm very focused, and I'm following orders, and I'm trying to do everything I can do to like 
impress my coaches and, and do that stuff. And pretty much what we discussed in the second round was I wasn't being natural. I mean, my coach, like I sat down in that stool and I was like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> but what's next? <laughs> and the coaches were pretty much like, Drew, how hard does he hit? I'm like, well, not that hard. He goes, then, then you do you then just go out there and do your, do what you do best. And so I was like, all right. So then I just started behaving a little bit more naturally and um, I think that is uh, one thing I had to bring back as of recent, which is be behaving more of like myself in the octagon versus trying to be, uh, you know, what I'm told or, you know, trying to follow this game plan too diligently. Yeah, where, where were you at the end of my career when I was just trying to stick to the game plan? Shit wasn't working. I just called it a career. <laughs> I was like, gosh, damn it. <laughs> the adjustments, the adjustments I mean, are difficult to do in between rounds. People don't understand how much mental warfare you go through in yourself because the whole camp you spent like this is the game plan this is what we're doing and then when round one doesn't work out you're like go back you're like all right well shit what do we do now mm -hmm. and that's why you gotta give credit to those guys that you know uh their their opponent gets injured and they have a last minute replacement islam with, with volkanovsky because i mean they've been focusing on this one style this one game plan for eight weeks and all of a sudden they got to change it up you know like uh i fought terrence bikini in a week notice everyone prizes him like taking the fight in a week notice i'm like man but i was training for a completely different dude and now I, you know terrence shows up so yeah it's it, it's difficult to kind of uh change things on the fly it is difficult. There's no doubt. Let me ask you this as far as your career, going all the way back, because you fought for Strike Force, you fought for Bellator, you fought in Victory and Titan and all those. A lot of people don't see those fights. I saw those fights. <laughs> You've been in the UFC for a long time. What's, in your opinion, what was your favorite fight? What was your most frustrating fight? All right. I would say it was probably the most frustrating fight, and that was my fight against uh, Will Brooks. Who was uh you know later to be the, yeah. the Bellator champion? Man, he beat me by half guard. Like uh, it was just so frustrating because I couldn't defend his takedowns, and uh, he just just sat on top. And like it was probably one of the most boring fights I've ever been a part of. <laughs> and I lost my decision. I was like, man, I felt like I had to give the audience a refund. Like that was that was painful. Um, now, as far as exciting goes, it'd be the fight. Right before I got signed by the UFC, um, I fought a, uh, or previously I fought TJ O'Brien, UFC vet, yep. beat the guy, choked him out, won. I thought I was, you know, going to get that call, you know, that UFC call, and uh, it never came. So <clears throat> I heard uh, there was this man named uh, Tony Sims in uh, Denver, Colorado, knocking everybody out in the first round. And the UFC had their eyes on him. And so I was like, all right, well, if I can't get the limelight, I'm just going to steal this guy's. So oh, I flew so out to mean. Colorado. So mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a selfish story. Gotta do it. But, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm here to get beat up, and this man was aiming to do it. So, uh, man, but uh, it was six first-round knockouts, 6-0. and oh. I mean, this dude was incredible. Hit like a ton of bricks. I've never been hit that hard in my life. And it's still, to this day, wow. never been hit that hard. But uh, I just w was able to showcase my ability of – I mean, he, he put me through hell in the first round. We we made it through. We entered that second round, and I realized he's never been out of the first round. And uh, now he's got to fight more in the with his heart. And uh, I carry more heart than most people. And so we won that fight by split decision. Yeah. It's funny you say that because that was a that's kind of was my approach when I was first coming up. I was trying to get signed by the UFC, and I was fighting out of Idaho. And Jens Pulver was wrestling in Boise, lived in Boise at the time, Boise, Idaho, and he was tearing up the scene pretty much around that area in the Northwest. 
And so I kept, I, we kept getting almost matched up, almost matched up. And then finally we were pretty much in the last part of the negotiations to fight each other. And then the UFC called him and the rest is history. Never saw that guy again. He was in the UFC and gone. And <laughs> gone. Never, I mean, I saw him at obviously at UFC events early in my career, but it was like, yeah, he's such a great guy too. But yeah, it was like, Hey, I've got to try to steal this guy's limelight. Cause that's the guy that everyone keeps talking about. If you're a young fighter, that approach is the best approach. I really believe. Right, right. I mean, you got to get noticed somehow. There's not a, a straightforward uh, a path. And uh, now I'm upset that I didn't get to witness a Josh Thompson and a Jens Pulver fight. Like, that would have been such a beautiful You know, I, I think back about that fight, and I go, man, how would it have gone? I think had we fought beforehand, he might have beat me because his wrestling was good. My wrestling was good. I say his wrestling a little bit better. He was a southpaw. And I didn't understand at that stage of my career what a pain in the ass Southpaws were to deal with. Because all the guys I trained with were all just regular Orthodox. And so I did, and then eventually mm -hmm. I ended up sparring for, with a couple Southpaws. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a way different fight. This is way different. Wrestling takedowns are different. Clinch work is different. Everything, the way the punches, the way you dip, it has to be the different way. It changes everything. And I was so young. I was only 20, like 19 or 20 at the time. Thinking to myself, Man, I'm so glad I didn't take that fight. He would have fucking kicked my ass, so, probably. It, 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 all, it all gets back to that point of you don't know what you don't know true. until you know. Yeah, this is true. And, and that's that's part of fighting. It is a true statement, even though it sounds weird. It's really well, true. Well, Drew, though, I had this belief, like like my shirt says, come at me, bro. I wrestled in high school. You know, like, <laughs> that's that's the belief I had at the time. Right? I was I was a good wrestler, wrestled a little bit in college here, and then I was training. I was like, man, I got jujitsu. I got, I got this guy. Bro, so lucky I probably didn't fight him. Probably didn't fight him at that time. I was lucky. Mm -hmm. Worked out. Everything worked out, though, for the for the benefit. So it was good. Dude, little side note. Uh, man, when I was, I think it was like 18 or 19, Sheridog had me at like at 6-0. They were yeah. amateur fights, but they had me at like 6-0 and on, on the website and stuff like that. So the WEC was like interested in like getting me in. And so I got a couple of WEC offers, uh, one of which was Jose Aldo. Oh, that's a good one. They wanted me to fight a Jose Aldo at 18 yeah. years old. And, man, I'm so glad I had some intelligent that's... people surrounding me. They're like, that is a hard <laughs> no. You're like, at 19, like, you'd retire yeah. at 20 for sure. Uh... It's so – see, that goes back to the Sherdog stuff. Like, there's there's a lot of my fights that I had before that they're not even on Sherdog. And because I think I had probably close to about, I'd say, 12 to 14 fights before I even fought, like before some of my fights are even shown on Sherdog. And it's hilarious because like people think that those fights, they don't exist, but I got paid for those fights. So they've got to be considered pro fights, which is, you know, so right. it's, it just knows that the, the records back then, I mean, there was no real media that covered it and there was no real database that held it all at the time. So Hey, it is what it is, but hey, the success has been great so far. So it's uh, lovely. Um, so I want to also talk to you. I know John, John, more fight stuff from you in terms of his his past career because I want to kind of get a little bit into the family talk right now. Not too much, but you have a newborn, five months old, correct? Yeah. Yes, and how yes. is that feeling of leaving the house now to go train? Whereas before it was probably like, all right, I got to go train. Okay, it's work. I got to go do it. Now it. I've been through this. And so tell me like, what, what, what is it like now knowing like, man, I'm gonna go train. And I mean, it's a lot, it, I mean, it's, it's definitely more focused. You know, I, I have a limited amount of time that I'm able to like leave the house. So it's gotta be quality work. You know, I'm not just twiddling my thumbs and playing patty cake with people. Like if we have an hour and a half, we're, we're working. Um, 
But I think one of the biggest thing uh, that I, I felt like was the difference between being a, uh, becoming a father was when my wife was pregnant, I fought Matt Frivola and I kept on telling people like, you know, now I have an extra mouth to feed and now like my feelings don't matter because now I have this little girl and, you know, it's all this other stuff. And then she came out and like I got to help, hold her in my arms and then I get my fight scheduled with uh, Ricky Glenn, my last one. And I think the biggest difference or the misconception I found was it does not matter. Like, like my daughter is not yeah. going to care my record in the UFC or my wins in the UFC. My wife doesn't care. My neighbors, my family, my friends, like, like nobody really cares about like the, what I do in the octagon. The only person that cares is me. So I have to live with these decisions in this octagon and it's yeah. short lived. So that was like, now like the motive I, here. I thought, I was going to be motivated by my daughter, but really it was just a humbling experience that like, now I have to motivate myself. Like I'm doing this for me and it's short lived. So I better make everything work and I make everything like worth a damn pretty much. And, uh, there was a little well. trend going around on Instagram. It was fighters were doing it too, but I saw a couple other athletes do it. Like they say, Hey, this is me 1% of the time. It's them fighting or them on jumping on the cage or them playing basketball, whatever the professional athlete was. And this is me the other 99% of the time. It's like carrying a baby, going for a jog with the wife, like, you know, backpacking with mm -hmm. their kids on their shoulders. Like that's what you do the rest of your time. And I've continued, John knows this. And I've said this, I don't know how many times, like, when you're done fighting, you have a whole other life to live. There's another 40 years, God willing, you have another 40, 50 years to live after if you fight till you're 40. I mean, that lets you know how insignificant what we do in our up until 40 really is because you're going to have kids. Those kids are probably going to have grandchildren before, before you leave this earth. That whole life before, your grandchildren won't even know really what the hell it is. They'll have to look you up and see what it is on, you know, because the internet's forever, unfortunately, for some of us. For some <laughs> for people, some of us. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, that's how, that's how it just really is not as important as people think. Right, right. And it was just such a humbling feeling to where it's like, I, I'm the only one yeah. that cares about this. So now that's the motivation. Ah, she's a like, cutie. Why am I in the gym? Why am I fighting? Like I'm doing it because I want it. Right. And so all the decisions I make in the cage is because I want to do it, you know? And then when this is all over, these are just stories. I'm going to bore my grandchildren with. <laughs> Dave just put up a picture of you and your daughter. Absolutely. God bless her for looking like your wife oh, because she is cute as hell. <laughs> Adorable. The little pajamas with the hearts. She is. That's awesome, that man. Is That's awesome. Yeah. I just wanted to now know if it changed anything, you know, for you leaving to the gym. That's all. Yeah, definitely. And man, uh, on that picture, though, like this is probably one of the, the coolest things was like wins will fade with time. Uh, me breaking the knockout record in the lightweight division, it's going to be broken by somebody else eventually. But that picture and being able to hold my daughter at the Apex Center will live yeah. forever. And uh, because I do this for myself, I get to have that picture. And uh, man, it's going to be something special oh, forever. That's awesome. You know, the one thing... You're already, we know that she's got you wrapped, okay? She's five months old. She's already got you wrapped around her little finger. <laughs> but the best part is, and this is what I tell you, I've I told Josh, I said, you know, hey, enjoy the moments with your kids. I said, because when you come home, and like you said, no one gives a shit about your fight record. They don't give it. But your daughter will come, and, you know, when you walk in the door, she's going to come running at you, Daddy. You're a rock star. And it's always good to be the rock star because there will come a point where she's no longer coming at you yelling, Daddy. She's like, Daddy, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, 
it's just the way kids are, but they're awesome, man. It's the best. I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back to when I thought you got cheated and I was pissed off. Let's go back to UFC Fight Night 62 because you were there for a fight against, I think it was Leandro Silva. You remember mm -hmm. that fight? Yeah. And, it, yep. and it got stuck. You were going to win that fight. There was no doubt. You had him in a Von Flu choke. And the referee stopped the match and gave it to him saying, you tapped out. Do you recall that yeah. fight? Yeah, wholeheartedly. <laughs> I remember every moment of that that experience. And, uh, man, that was just – it's one of those things, like, you never really think about just having the third person in the octagon take that away from you, you know? You're always like, refs are here to keep me safe and make the correct like, calls, right? You never even think about, like, like, I'm just going through the procedures, and then I just feel a hand on me, like, what, like what's going on? And, uh, Did you, man, like – You had to think that you had won, and that, that's why I'm asking the question. You had to – when he put his hands on you, you had to think that, well – I'm fine, so it's getting stopped. You had to think, you know, either you're you're screwing this up and standing me up, or I won the fight. Yeah, I think I had a little bit more awareness than my <laughs> opponent because my opponent immediately started like cheering, and I'm like, no, like nothing happened. Like he didn't tap, I didn't tap. Like, like so, like I don't know why you're touching me. I was pretty much like telling the ref, like, leave us alone. We're good. Yeah. Like, you know, keep, keep things going. So I, I was just more confused than anything. And that confusion did not stop for a little while. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a little backstory on this. Cause I almost came to blows with them in the back over your fight because that referee kept saying, no, no, he tapped. And I, and I was saying, Hey, look at, we all make mistakes. We all screw up, but when you screw up, you got to take, you got to take, you know, control of it and say hey i take responsibility i messed this up and you've got to look and say i said here let's take a look on tape i said show me where he tapped well i know he tapped and i it, i kept getting madder and matter and, and josh will tell you when i start to get mad i'm done and so i said so you're telling me that he tapped so what you're telling me is you're a straight out fucking liar i said because if you don't have the balls to fucking straighten this out and make this right because the commission was not going to overturn it if he said, no, I was right in what I did. And I was losing my mind in that fight. And then finally he said, well, maybe I, maybe I made a mistake. It's like, no, no, there's no maybe. You made the mistake, but they overturned it because of it. And it oh, man. It was a good moment that they overturned it because I was putting a lot of work and I was winning that fight up until. Oh, we, we, we all have. Yeah, I received that. Yeah, I received that call from the Brazilian Athletic Commission, and it was like a 30-minute conversation, 25 minutes of why they shouldn't overturn it. And the last five minutes said, but we are overturning it. So so I just want to say thank you to you. <laughs> oh, no, no, you're not thanking me at all. I just was like, I could not I mean, believe it. And I couldn't believe that he was going to let it go and put you in the position where you lose a fight when you did not lose. Yeah, it was... But, you know, then it, it put my name in headlights. People were very intrigued by the ending of the fight. So there's no such thing as bad publicity, I guess. Okay. Well, it, it's just crazy that we're having this conversation because I've also been inside the cage with a ref that's made mistakes and it's cost me a fight. But, I mean, we won't get into that. <clears throat> Big John. <laughs> <laughs> I can't let a moment like that pass. No, the refs are out there to keep the fighters safe, you know, and at one time, you know, the last fight of my career, it just so happens the ref didn't show up, but 
Well, no, no. The ref showed up. The problem was the the thirty nine to forty year old fighter didn't. Show this up. is this is true. This is true. And he just kept on getting hit, uh, and it was like, oh, Jesus. Well, that's what happens. <laughs> Illegal headbutts happen all the time. Anyways, um, so you no, they do. You were you were you were uh, you did some uh, some stuff with the military with Dominic Cruz. Can you talk us talk us through that? Where was it at? You know, what you guys? What were you guys able to experience? And uh, how exciting was it? Oh, yeah. No, I've uh, just recently had the opportunity to work with the National Guard. Uh, this one in particular was the Salt Lake City uh, Air National Guard with Dominic Cruz. And uh, pretty much what it is, they just like putting MMA fighters through rigorous and outrageous activities to see if we can sink or swim and uh, embarrass ourselves. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty, I pretty much have the Buzz Lightyear look. So they put me in a uniform. I mean, I look like Starship Troopers over here. <laughs> so I was, I was ready for it. Um, now just the manner of holding a, a gun and and doing things intelligently, we had to like learn. But um, yeah, it's just such a huge honor to be able to represent the National Guard, be able to uh, be a spokesperson for what they do. It's very impressive, and then it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me to to work with uh, not only the Air National Guard but the Army National Guard. And I just got doing done doing a um, a one of the the week weekend challenges of like the uh, the best mm -hmm. warrior in the National Guard, and it was just three days of the most intense work circuit. Uh, a situation that I've ever experienced in my life. And I only shadowed it, right? I can only partake in about 30% of what they were doing. And uh, man, it's just been a lot of fun to to see what they do, to be able to speak on behalf, you know, of what they do and uh, and then have it recorded and, you know, everyone get a good well, who, laugh. Who did better, you or Dom? Don't be modest right now, okay? Who did better, you or Dom? Come on, I want the truth. I mean, I think I'm built like a soldier, <laughs> so I, I already came in a little bit more prepared. But uh, so hold it, so hold it, so hold it. You're built like a soldier, and Dominic is built like an officer. Yeah, <laughs> <Am> I, <laughs> he does. I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, he's Paul Blart. I love it. I mean, yeah. Dom needs a segue for sure. <laughs> well, now that you've moved, you, you're moved into the top 15. Okay. Have they had any conversation about what's next with you? Um, so like, as soon as I, I left the cage, I mean, they were like, how soon can you fight? It's like, let's fight in December. Cause like yeah. we talked about earlier, we always want to get one yeah. before Christmas. <laughs> so I was like, let's just get it doing. Um, but then we, uh, we were placed in the, the rankings after that fight, which was uh, surprising to me. So that kind of just changes things a bit of, you know, who I'm fighting next. Now, realistically, there, there's guys in the top 15 that I would absolutely that love was my, to fight. That was my next fight question. Again. Okay. Start naming them. Yeah, who? I, mean, can, I mean, who do I want to fight? Who do you, you want? Start at one and work your yeah. way down. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I, I want to fight Dustin Poirier. Like, but what is the more re realistic fight? I, I think we got Bobby Green and Dan mm -hmm. Hooker fighting. I would love the winner of that. So we'll see that how that plays out. Um, Matt Favola, I would love that rematch. So let's see how he does with the uh, mm -hmm. the Paris fighter. If the you know if Favola gets beat, I'll, I'll fight the the guy from Paris. Um, and then there's a couple of guys in the lightweight division that are just still hanging out. And that's Renato Milcano, um, RDA. Like they're still in the rankings, not really doing much. So I'd love to keep them busy. And then um, 
uh, Jalen Turner is another guy that he poses a lot of unique mm. problems. And that'll be fun. But uh, the options are limitless. I love the lightweight division. I'm, you know, you can pretty much throw a penny and get an exciting I'm looking fight. At, I'm looking at the lightweight rankings right now, and i got to be honest, you brought it up yourself. Was um, And I know that there's a lot going on with the Connor and maybe the potential Chandler fight, but that's a fight that you're really interested in, correct? And what oh, absolutely. If- I mean, I'd love to fight Michael Chandler. I mean, that would be a, such an I look intense at, fight. I look at someone like him. You guys' body style is very similar. Um, both very – you guys kind of almost have similar size in terms of bouncing on the feet, taking a step back, reengaging with the boxing, the combinations. You know, both can wrestle. Both are very active. Um, it, when you guys get in there, just letting it all fly. I think that's that matchup makes a lot of sense, uh, depending on what happens with him, and, uh, with him and Connor, if that even comes to fruition. But I'm looking also at like guys like Fazeev once he gets healthy, once he gets back from his injury. That to me is a that was the one that I that's always a thought. Great, I fight. thought that's a great match. You know, um, is it like those those two fights? I can see a Gamrot fight also, but I really think the Fazeev and the Chandler fight, just your style of fight, like just sign me up, man. Just sign me up. Like I, make that a main event. It, you know, whatever. Make it a main event. It's got to be a main event. I'm sorry, man. I the way you fight, got to be five rounds. Yeah, it'd be five rounds. But the way you fight, though, see, we're we're putting we're putting all this pressure on you. We apologize. You. But you I'm need putting it. pressure on the UFC to say make this shit a main event. That's what I'm saying. Like, the, I mean, I, I haven't had the pen ready for the longest time. It's not me saying no. Yeah, like I'm not getting any younger. Let's just do all. I, of but this. I, 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 the reason why I mentioned this because look, the UFC has a tendency. Um, you know, to sometimes not match the fights that seem like they make the most sense, but also the fan favorite fights. I, I use myself as an example a lot in terms of when I came over from Strike Force, everyone all they did was talk shit. That it would be you versus Pettis, would you know, just, you would never stand a chance. You versus Cerrone, you'd never stand a chance. And as soon as I got there, I was calling for both these guys, and I understood the Pettis thing because he ended up beating Benson for the title, and we were actually supposed to fight for the title, and this and that. But the Cerrone fight was never offered to me. And do you find at this stage in your career, which is where I was when I went back to the UFC, was the fights that spark your interest the most. We just had this conversation with Bobby Green. I'm looking for those guys that motivate me. I'm looking for those guys that really get me up out of bed and go, that's the motherfucker I want to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I do my best to, you know, create those conversations. I mean, with me and Bobby, like Bobby and I talked about it. I sent him a message. I was like, Hey, let's just make some money together. Let's like, let's do this. And so I'm all for it. And, you know, I've sent Renato Miocano messages. I've talked to Jalen Turner. Like I've, I've talked to these people. RDA and I were trying to fight each other, but he doesn't want to fight at 155. And, uh, and so like, I, I kind of just skipped the UFC and plus I don't, I don't yeah. talk. Like it's just not my deal. So like I'm not throwing things out on Twitter hoping people get excited about it. Like I'm just gonna go right to the source. Hey boy, like buddy, do you wanna do you wanna fight? Yeah. Let's make some money, like win or lose. Like and uh so yeah, I've I've already told Michael Chandler that yeah. I'd love to fight him. And I was like, you know, we can always make this happen, but I can't bring him that red panty night. So <laughs> if he wants to wait for Connor, then respect to him. You can get some red Everybody panties. Everybody wants a red you panty. Get some red panties at Victoria's Secret, though. Yeah. Just bring them along. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'll, yeah. I'll hand it to him. But Connor can take all the steroids in the world. I'll yeah. still fight him. <laughs> <laughs> What are you saying? Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm just saying if I, and or. If and or. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this one last question here. You still have multiple years left on your career. If this is if you want to continue on, if you want to try to work towards that title, you've got that shot, you know, ability to get there. 
once your career is over, have you thought about what you want to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously my dream is coaching. Uh, you know, martial arts has saved me, and I would love to to teach a younger generation and help them pursue their dreams in an intelligent fashion because I live through trial and error, and I'd much rather them not. <laughs> um, and then – Man, I've been in the sport for so long and I've gathered so much information and I love being in front of a camera talking shop. So broadcasting is definitely something I'd be uh, super into. You got the jawline um, for it. Yes, you do. <laughs> I know, right? Working on the hair, you know, and then we'll just put on some suits and be ready to go. Um, but yeah, broadcasting, coaching, uh, training. And uh, when and you say coaching, there's so many disciplines and it's, are you talking about potentially opening a gym and then trying to work everything? Are you talking about, look, there's one discipline that I really would love to have uh, that spread that knowledge. You know, a lot of people like DC, Daniel Cormier does wrestling only, you know, and then you've got, you know, you've got mm -hmm. Dwayne Ludwig who went on and just only kickboxing. You know, there's, there's, there's everyone that just wants to do everything and they, they go out on a limb and they do everything. Is there something specific that you feel like um, you'd share the I, best knowledge in? I think I, I want to do all of it. I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I wrestled in high school. Uh, See? Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Come yeah, at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wasn't as good as a wrestler, though. <laughs> Come at me. But uh, I have all this knowledge and, uh, and networking to share that uh, I would love to coach. And I'd love to continue learning and being able to like teach other people. But I mean, obviously when you own a gym, you're going to have other people helping you out as well. So I don't think I'm going to limit myself as far as what di specific discipline. Um, but uh, we'll see when the opportunity comes, what's available. Do you feel like about just the discipline of MMA? Boom. Yeah. That, pretty, that's yeah, what it much. is. I'm just going to teach how to whoop ass. Hey, no, so that's, there you go. that's it. Do you, do you feel that like, like you say, oh, I wasn't the best wrestler in high school, you know, best boxer, best kickboxer. Do you feel like that somewhat kind of helps your uh, relationship with the sport? Because if you focus, if you're so good at one thing, they tend to get away from the one thing that they were good at. Now it's not good anymore. And then they focus on the thing that they want to work the most. Like you see that all the time with top level world-class uh, wrestlers. They all want to be stand-up guys because it's mm -hmm. easier. Okay. And they get there and like, they love the excitement of knocking someone out because their whole life, they've just been holding people down. That's all they do. And so they want to get away from that. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you feel like, because we were never the, I, I, I'm in the same boat, man. So I was never the best at anything. But I was pretty good at putting game plans together and putting it all together when it came down to fight somebody. Do you feel like it's benefited you not being the best at one thing? Yeah, no, I agree. I think with every fighter, you got to dance with the woman that brought you, and uh, you got to you got to be realistic. In, in school, not every subject are you going to be tremendous with, so you have to focus on the the subjects that you you feel a little bit more natural connection. And to me, that was striking. Even though I did jujitsu, wrestling, and all the above, striking was just I like I, it caught to me. Like I was like this, like I get this, I understand this. Wrestling, not so much. Um, but it's helped me because what we talked about earlier is being natural because being a natural athlete and having the ability to get into the zone only comes when you're, you're behaving like, or, or looking into your passions or what you connect to. So you're absolutely right. I think you should dance with them when they brought you really focus on the disciplines that uh, you connect to. Um, but I mean, obviously there's going to be the discipline in, in bringing up the other disciplines to, uh, to, you know, push that one. Well, Drew, I want to tell you, thank you so much for coming on the show. We look forward to watching your next fight and watching you march up that 
top 15 because you are on a roll. Stay there. Keep doing what you're doing. Bite down on the mouthpiece like you did against Bobby Green because that was awesome. <laughs> and thank you for coming on the show. And best of luck with everything with your daughter and everything. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it, my man. Yeah. We, yeah looking so forward much. to hearing what happens next with you and what's uh, what's in the future. And uh, like I said, man, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, my man. I appreciate it. Well, we want to thank Drew Dober for spending some time with us, answering all those questions. He is absolutely a great guy and having an incredible moment in his career right now, fighting as well as I've ever seen him fight. I'm looking forward to seeing him fight, man. He is fantastic. He is fun to watch. And he's somebody that's motivated by guys that will stand and trade with him, that will push him, create new new things and challenges for him while he's in that cage. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight whoever it is they decide to put in front of him, but it's going to be a good time. Uh, thanks for joining us, Drew, and uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Love it. Looking forward to hearing your next fight announcement. And, John, I think that's going to wrap up our show today. Go ahead and take us away. Hey, for everyone out there, please tune in for November 17th with Bellator 301 and then check out the UFC the next day. I hope you guys have a good one. We will see you.